0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather. Now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group, were Prohibited by Law. 18 Plus. Terms and Conditions apply.
0: How's it going, everybody?
2: I uh I almost didn't want to do this story as the lead for a few reasons. One, I think a lot of people are are are, you know, commenting that the story about a local restaurant being attacked by establishment media and democrat activists isn't that big of a deal. I saw some, one person said, oh, it must be a slow news day. No, this is just substantially more important than other news. I mean, we've got some big stories. We've got San Francisco is going to be an act. They've announced they're launching their, their vaccine passports. I mean, that's a huge story. Uh, it's the third city to do it. I think that matters. I think it matters a whole lot, but this story about the restaurant really, really got to me. I don't want I don't want to do it for the other reason was that. Drawing more attention on some working class dude and his buddy who just want to serve burgers and, and, and chicken wings, um, I'm, I, I think it, it might be bad for them, you know, but I, I can't ignore what's going on with the psychosis of these these Democrat media establishment types. and, and I'm trying to figure out like how do you describe these people? They're authoritarian psychopaths, all right? The gist of the story is some guy. Gave a quote to local media about his rising inf- costs of food and and, and uh, because of inflation. It was not political in any sense of the imagination. Local GOP highlighted the story, calling it Biden inflation. Now what's happening is several different Democrat-aligned media outlets have called the restaurant liars, insulted them, they're mocking them, and they're driving a harassment campaign at them. To the point where you know I got a call. Uh, I call. I called them for a comment to clarify. Like, what's going on? Because the gag is that their mayonnaise was, they're, they're guzzling mayonnaise. Now people are going after the business. They're slamming them on Yelp. And this this guy didn't even do anything. He never criticized Biden. He had said nothing about. It. He just said, oh yeah, inflation's been you know kind of intense. We're we're spending you know two hundred bucks more per week on mayonnaise. And now to see what they're doing to regular people, I'll tell you why I think the story is more important than a lot of other things. It shows you you have an authoritarian despotic cult that will destroy a local business simply because something they said that was true and factual threatens their regime their 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 stupid system yo biden's responsible for the inflation for a lot of reasons this guy didn't even say that now what's happened you've get huffington post the independent any 100 going after a small business and calling them liars and driving these lunatics on the internet at that at, at this restaurant And now they're telling me they're worried, like, is this going to, is this, are we going to get, you know, shut down because of that? Are they going to come after us? It's going to hurt us. We don't know what's going to happen next. Dude seemed like he was genuinely scared because he never experienced this. And this guy's totally apolitical. We got to talk about this, about how when you get effectively brown shirts going around beating people in a submission, what that's going to lead to. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk, talk about what's going on in San Francisco with the other side of the authoritarian coin. And we're being joined by Kyle Becker, CEO of Becker News. How's it going, man?
3: Good, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's been great, and uh, I look forward to talking with you during the show. Do right.
2: you, you want to just do a little brief introduction, like your work, what you do?
3: Yeah, um, so I uh, run my own website, BeckerNews.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at KyleNABecker. Uh, and, um, you know, I've been in the media for a while as former Fox News uh, associate producer and writer. And, uh, and I've, I've, I've worked in media for a while, vi- uh, vi- viral media um, expert, so... Cool. Um, that's kind of I have a perspective on that. Right on, man. Thanks for coming. Good right. to see hey, you, man. Still. We got yeah, Ian.
4: Care. Before I forget, I think a lot of these writers that are writing this, that are like taking things and printing them out of context, at first I thought they seem psychotic because they're less, they're not critically thinking, they're kind of stupid, you could argue. But then I'm thinking maybe they're just dizzy because if you take the best pitcher in Major League Baseball in the world and you spin them around really fast for a long time and then you ask them to throw a pitch, it's going to be terribly off. So maybe these people are just all effed up, confused messed up terrified and so they're acting dude weird and it's not that they're stupid
2: when we when we went over philip defranco's tweet you know philip defranco yeah he tweeted just like this really vile nasty thing like f you you Mm -hmm. just like i'm not gonna apologize to you anti-vaxxer i'm like when did people go it's like when did they become evil yeah where they were like i will burn you to the ground for no reason
3: Well, I think that the, the pressure that we've seen over the last two years, the pressure cooker that we've all been in, starting with the elections, we had the, you know, the January 6th event, we've had the COVID lockdowns that seem to be going on and on and on, or at least, you know, the regulations, and, um, you know, we have the critical race theory, and all these things is sort of a, you know, a menagerie of forces or people being pulled in different directions by information that we're all exposed to. We're in information overload. Sure, Um, sure, but I'm just saying, like, I mean,
2: why did people turn into? It's 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 almost like uh, you know Bilbo Baggins in Lord of the Rings when he's all like, "Oh, Frodo, can I see the ring?" Ah!" You know, like Mm -hmm. what happened to people where all of a sudden they become demonic and possessed? Uh, But I don't want to drag on. We'll 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 get to all this stuff for sure. We got Lydia pressing buttons. I'm in the
5: corner pressing buttons. I'm excited for tonight's conversation. As always, very intrigued to learn about Mayo Gate. Mayo
2: Gate, man, this one got me really angry. It's and it's it, it gets me really angry. Because the, the, these are just regular working class people who don't care for politics, want to be left alone. But I, I've, I've been saying this for some time. You think ducking your head and getting out, getting out of the way? No, no, they'll come knocking. They're going door to door. I said this was going to happen. I had all these leftists being like, Tim Poole's lost his mind saying they're going to come for you. Regular guy. Did nothing wrong. They're, they're coming after him. They're giving him bad reviews. It's crazy stuff, man. Okay, but we'll get into that. Before. And don't forget to go to TimCast.com, become a member. To get an advertisement-free experience from the website and all of our awesome news, we just put up an exclusive report from the border from your favorite journalist, Ivory Hecker. Mm-hmm. She's the one who came out, blew the whistle on her, uh, her her news station. And she just did a report from the border. So we, we, we're running that. You can check that out. We also have members-only segments. So there will be a member segment from this show coming up around 11 or so p.m. So go to TimCast.com. And don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, because this one has got me more heated than many other stories I've ever seen. My friends, welcome to Manet's Gate. <laughs> we'll give it the funniest name we can Mayo Gate. This is a story from WXII. Winston Salem restaurants struggling due to inflation caused by pandemic. Experts blame inflated prices on high demand due to the pandemic. High demand. And low supply. Why is there a low supply? Because in April, 4 million people quit their job. They're calling it the Great Resignation. Why are people quitting their jobs? Because they don't have to pay rent and because they are getting $16 an hour on average from unemployment payments. That's not literally every single person who quit their job doing it for that reason. But a large reason is this. When people don't need to work to get money and they don't need to pay rent, they say to themselves, maybe I should do something else and be more fulfilled. I can respect not wanting to work crappy jobs. But when people don't work, they don't make stuff. When there's no stuff, there's low supply and the demand remains the same. Prices will start going up. Now, many of these media organizations are trying to obfuscate this. They don't want people to realize it is the fault of Democrat policies and Joe Biden's administration. So they'll do everything in their power to lie, cheat and steal. And the worst thing about it is this story really grinds my gears because they're they are attacking for no good reason a local restaurant in North Carolina that didn't even get political. This is Mayonnaise Gate. How hilarious and sad. Here's what happened. They say, WXII spoke with the owner of the Sherwood, a family-owned restaurant in Winston-Salem. Pete Straits, uh, the owner, to find out how much trouble inflation has caused. He says that an increase in prices has put his business in a difficult situation. Quote, you can only offset so much in this business. And it seems like every year you lose here, you lose there. I'll give you an example. I'm paying $200 more a week in mayonnaise. Now, when I saw this story, it was because a bunch of Democrat-aligned media figures were mocking the restaurant and calling them liars, saying if prices went up by 5.4%, that would mean that $200 would that would equal $3,700 in mayonnaise per, per week. Because these people seem to think that the price increase is static across all products because they have no idea how the economy works. Surprise, surprise when they try and push communism or socialism. What really happened, because I called the restaurant and asked them to clarify on this, uh, one of the partners simply said, oh, yeah, you know, we, we do about uh, 10 buckets per week. They're five gallons each. And they used to be about $18. Now they're uh, 36. So you do the math. It's, you know, 18 bucks and times 10. It's, it's about $200. And I went, makes sense to me. And he said, we use the mayonnaise for our dressings and things like that. And anybody who knows, who's run, worked in the restaurant industry knows you go through a lot of, 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 Ingredients like well, all of these. Here's here's what we end up getting. We have this from Indy 100. Republicans tried to attack Joe Biden over the price of mayonnaise, and the responses were hilarious. They're saying things. Look, posting on Twitter, the official branch of the party shared a story in which restaurateurs expressed dismayo about the price of mayo. What? Yes, saying there were they were spending more than two hundred dollars a week on it, and claimed this was due to Biden inflation. The restaurant never said that. That's a lie. The restaurant never blamed Joe Biden for this. But Indy is, cl- is saying restaurateurs blamed Biden fla- by inflation. The North Carolina Republicans must have been too hangry and lacking in egg nutrients to notice, however. The article they shared, the uh, they, they shared, quoted experts who blamed the coronavirus pandemic on inflation and not on Biden. Here's here's what we have from uh, from The Independent. Is from a different writer. GOP ridiculed for bizarre Biden mayonnaise smear. Something might be happening with mayo consumption in North Carolina. These people didn't bother doing a simple Google search, calling a restaurant, getting a quote and saying how much mayonnaise is normal for a restaurant to use. We also have the Huffington Post. Republicans attempt to smear Biden over mayonnaise gets creamed on Twitter. How much mayo can one restaurant use in a week anyway? And you get all your your normal culprits, Aaron Rupar. Everybody knows Aaron Rupar. Yeah, there's a, there's a verb. It's called Rupar to Rupar someone. Mm-hmm. Do you know what, what's the definition? To take something out of context and mischaracterize, to falsely frame a story. What designer drug is mayonnaise code for? Jonah Blank says somebody's eating way too much mayonnaise. Then uh, I don't I don't I don't care for these regular you know this guy who works at Facebook said just imagine the heroic amounts of mayo this restaurant must be going through. These people are a combination of ignorant, arrogant. And aggressive Mm. and that that is is shockingly terrifying because what does that mean they're too stupid to understand how basic economics works why a restaurant might need 50 gallons of mayonnaise per week which probably does the restaurant capacity i also reached out 250 people you get 250 people at one time in a restaurant during a wait list period and you've all seen a wait you've all had a wait list at a restaurant how much mayonnaise do you think they're going to use for 250 people in a 30 minute period and now how many people are coming to the restaurant every day? It could be a thousand. Yeah. Instead, here's what ends up happening. They all end up lying, uh, saying mayoflation, mocking the restaurant. And it turns into something much more terrifying. When people start going to their Yelp and saying things like one star review, way too much mayonnaise, just mayo everywhere, or one star review, too much mayonnaise, used to love the place, but mayo is too much. And so uh, I'm told by the, the, the owner at first they were like, oh, this is silly. What's going on? This is, we're getting trolled or something. And then he said that this morning, you know, it, it got so intense. He starts getting scared. He's, all these reviews are coming in. You know, it's something, something is happening and he's scared about what's going to happen. They're trying to make it seem like this guy, a regular guy who was not involved in politics insulted Joe Biden and lied about his, the prices to make him look bad. And now these lunatics are actually trying to cause damage to this restaurant who is not political. I have said it before and I will say it again. If you think sitting down and hiding is gonna get you out of whatever is going on, you are wrong. And all that's gonna happen is this will be, this will be life for everyone. You'll be sitting in your your little cafe and you're like, I just run a small business, I have nothing to do with politics and I don't want to be involved. And then one day, Antifa will show up and throw a brick through your window because someone accused you of being racist. We've seen stuff like that happen. In Berkeley, the people have to put signs in all their windows. I was in, I was in, I was in Berkeley for uh, some protest event. And there was a nail salon with, you know, all of this leftist signage in the windows. And I'm like, there's, there's no way these working class women who are in there, immigrants, are that adamant about their activism. And so I went to a bar. And as I'm sitting at the bar, I'm eating a burger. There was a big thing on the window that insulted Trump and said that he was some kind of turd or something. And I asked the bartender, I was like, all right, what's, you know, everybody has these signs in the window. You know, yours is like, you know, more insult, more more uh, derogatory. And she's like, yeah, you know, you have to do it. And I was like, so you don't, do you agree with that message? Like, are you guys like anti-Trump? And she said, no, it, it, if you don't do it, they'll smash your windows. That's what it's like living in, in the Bay Area. There was a Burger King I saw. This was this was a this was back in, I think, 20, 2015 or 2016. A Burger King had a big sign in the window and it said, please do not destroy our windows. We are a family-owned restaurant franchise, not a corporate location. That's what life is like when you let these people keep doing this stuff. During the, the I think it was the, was it the G20 or was it the G7? I don't know. It, in, it was in Hamburg. They went around smashing up storefronts. And there's this photo of all of these stores smashed up except for one. And do you know why that one store wasn't smashed up? It had the communist
4: fist in the window. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
1: Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. by law. 18+ terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money If you're a decision-maker, adding RAMP could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now, get $250 when you join RAMP for free. Just go to RAMP.com slash easy. RAMP.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply.
2: This is an attack on a regular, regular, regular family guy. This is this is the stuff that I've been saying they will keep doing. And, they, and, they, and people want to act like, I guess out of the 300 or so you know 320 million people in this country excluding the children so you got maybe 250 people how many of them you know uh, are adults yeah maybe maybe you'll 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 be safe and you'll be lucky maybe as you know you're in the crowd and the bear starts charging in you're like I can run faster than everybody else mm-hmm. maybe you'll be the one person but man you could stand up right now and tell these people to shut up. Call out the media for lying and going after regular people who are not political, punching down as hard as they can. Or you can sit back and let your children inherit this future.
5: So I tweeted about this the other day. I said, um, I said something about Winston Churchill and his quote about feeding the alligator. And I said, at this point, conservatism has become nothing but feeding the alligator. Because all we're doing is saying, I just want to be left alone. Just let me do my own thing. I just want to grill, right? That's like the meme. You can't do that anymore. Like, you don't have a choice. And I also tweeted something inflammatory about the, how it is now your role to fight. You don't get to have your white picket fence. You don't get to necessarily have your American dream because um, it's being thwarted by the far left and this crazy people in the media. And your role right now is to figure out what you're going to do about it. And I think until people figure that out, we're going to have a serious problem. We can't just keep sitting back and taking it. But that's what conservatives do. Why?
3: Yeah. Well, this story is more disgusting than a mayo sandwich. Let me just put it that way. I'm (laughs) marinating in it and I'm listening to, to Tim. But what, what really jumps out to me is that the Democrats a long time ago lost any pretense that they care about the little man. They are not up for the real victims in society. They're the victimizers in the society. They obfuscate that by, with their grievance politics, their identitarian politics that they continually shuffle out, but they don't care about the folks getting shot in Chicago. Anything that goes against their agenda or against their narrative, they either ignore it, downplay it, or attack people who draw attention to it. And this poor guy in North Carolina who's just trying to put food on his family's table, uh, is just trying to run a small business, but is extremely difficult due to a lot of the policies and Democrat-run states, the lockdown policies. Where are them championing the little guys the small business owners jeff bezos and amazon raking it in hand over fist this entire time they don't scrutinize how it's benefiting corporations and multi-billionaires uh they don't draw attention to it they forget they're the forgotten man this guy in north carolina he's the forgotten man in society he's just one example of countless that you can draw attention to of just grabbing what looks to be a ludicrous headline And their lack of compassion and lack of sympathy for this small business owners, who's obviously struggling, is illustrated by the fact that they're not sympathetic with him. It's like, oh, it must be very difficult. Not only is it Democrat policies
2: and Joe Biden's administration Mm -hmm. that are responsible for the inflation, but the people who voted him are gloating and mocking you and laughing as you struggle through the muck. They're the ones who threw the sewage on the floor and they're laughing as you slip in it. Now let me explain, because there may be a lot of people saying it's not, it was inflation, not Joe Biden. Extended unemployment benefits. People are getting sixteen bucks an hour not to work. We've already heard from many experts that this is a a, a a pull a push factor, and so a lot of people don't want jobs. And the response we get from many of the Democrat establishment activists is, yeah, well, people shouldn't work these crappy jobs anyway, and they should pay better. So it's an acknowledgement. We know. So long as you give people the benefits, if they don't have to work, they won't. You've got the, the eviction moratorium people aren't paying rent. Some people are. A lot of people are paying rent, but some people aren't. This means that there is now a bottleneck where retirees and mom and pop landlords, people who own one building and rent out their basement, can't make ends meet. This ripples across the board. You've also got just you've got the gas shortage caused by a worker shortage caused by those factors, which causes all prices to go up. So inflation across the board is on the rise so long as Joe Biden wants to enact illegal eviction moratorium, so long as he wants to uh, uh, extend these benefits. And it's not just him. It's the administration, the Democrats. And so long as he wants to shut down a gas pipeline, which caused speculators to buy more. I'm not a fan of speculators, by the way, causes them to buy more driving up prices and then shut down fracking on federal land, which causes speculators to predict short supply, which increases speculation and causes price to go up for gasoline. These are factors caused by Joe Biden directly his policies, his administration, and Democrats. I am no fan of the Republican Party. I think they're trash. Most Americans actually have a worse view of Republicans than Democrats, but the Democrats are the ones who are doing this right now. So I tell you this. I feel bad for this restaurant. I'm also kind of frustrated with, 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 with people like this, these restaurants. I can't expect him to have known what was going on. But if you think that you can sit back and ignore the world around you and then you will be safe when the fires or the storm comes. I'm sorry, that's just not true. All that is required for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And so you have, I, I talked to the guy, I talked to two of the people at the restaurant, got a comment and you know their sentiment was, we don't want to be involved in politics. I think both sides are bad. Both parties suck and both sides are doing it. And I said, I told him, the the right, the anti-establishment types, these aren't the people who are attacking your restaurant right now because you expressed a fact. About your prices, so if these if if regular people don't wake up to these extremists, by all means, we the alt right they've been gone for three years. Nobody likes them. I get it. Now we have a cult like authoritarian left that is going to attack anybody who says a fact that goes against their narrative.
3: Or for no reason at all, as we saw with the Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots all last year. They attacked other black small business owners directly, burned them to the ground, uh, bashed their windows. And I really liked what you said about hanging signs. Uh, in your door, just kind of is kind of a totem or a sign. When I when I go to this lily white neighborhoods in Westchester County, I see Black Lives Matter sign uh, everywhere. I don't think it's because they sincerely believe in this neo Marxist organization. Uh, I think it's a totem. It's like a Jewish Passover where you put the blood on your on your door and you want people to leave you alone. I did a little social experiment. Uh, they had a church right next to a school and they had all of these Black Lives Matter signs and all of their little punch phrases or oh, your love is love, etc. etc. You know, typical Maoist. Type brainwashing sort of things that they put on the sign. I took a sign, I ordered it myself, and I put "I believe in racial equality," "I believe in freedom of speech," "I believe in," and I listed all, all of these different freedoms on there that I, you know, it, just from the Constitution, and put it out there, you know, basically to provide some kind of contrast and i just put it right in the middle of the signs and just waited and i took a picture and i came came back guess what they had taken a sign and they got rid of it because they are not for equality they're for equity and that means the government controlling all social relations uh in this country and so no you're not going to be safe the the covid passports all of this stuff they are we're not used to this sort of in your face intrusion but it's going to get worse because as you can see uh you know and nobody is safe it's going to be like the social credit score in China that you were talking oh, about oh yeah, yeah yeah so
2: so we got this story from uh KRON 4 San Francisco mandates proof of full covid vaccine at indoor venues i love this title indoor venues cuz it's not the truth they actually explain in the art in the article it's not indoor venues what's a venue
3: a uh, venue is a forum. That's like a public forum. Where you but, but
2: when you say venue, you're thinking like a bar concert. or a theater or a concert. Right. You're not thinking a cafe. No. Unless the cafe is a small stage, I guess. But mm-hmm. they actually go on to say that it is It is more than just venues. It's restaurants, cafes, bars, gyms. Hmm. Mayor London Breed announced Thursday during a press conference. I, I don't think the uh, uh the vaccine passport ultimately is the end is, is going to be the end result, whether it's intentional or not. It's going to be that you will have to show your papers wherever you go. It's funny that this is literally showing your papers and we 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 have a, a historical look at the fascists regimes, the Nazis, and why showing your papers was frowned upon the idea that you couldn't move about and freely associate without some kind of idea and now you have well, what's what's the meme? the the the, the punch, uh, punch Nazi people had a really quick 180 and to show us your papers or mm-hmm. something like that <laughs> uh, or, or, or a, a glare an alarmingly uh, an alarming number of punch Nazi people are now saying show us your papers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is it and they'll start with something like this but it's just about keeping people safe with the vaccines
3: mm-hmm. that's my issue with this is all based on a false premise uh, the CDC director Rachel Wilensky admitted it uh, about uh, two weeks ago, she admitted that the vaccines, so-called, do not prevent transmission of the Delta variant, for example. And right now we're seeing a spike in the Delta variant, but the mortality rates are low and the hospitalizations are being misrepresented. But still, it's, it's so, so really the, low. The,
2: spe- the specific issue there is they're saying uh, the vaccine will reduce your likelihood to get it. But the CDC also says viral load in those with breakthrough cases are the same mm-hmm. as those who are unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. The bigger pro- problem, I suppose, is animal repositories. Yes,
3: of course, yeah, reservoirs. Because, yeah, absolutely. right, reservoirs. We
2: we yep. we've we've seen all the stories about dogs and cats getting COVID, mm-hmm. and if that's the case, and it can transfer back, I'm not I'm sure, I'm not, not, not going to pretend to be a doctor because right. I don't I don't know. Then that would be alarming, and i not you. Know, we're not vaccinating our pets. Right. So ultimately, I'll, I'll say this, and I always do i don't give medical advice i'm not here to discourage or encourage anybody you talk to a doctor make sure you're doing what's right by you there was a story the other day about this nurse in germany who swapped out people's vaccines for saline and that to me is a violation of informed consent and psychotic if an elderly person wants to get medication their doctor recommends it no one should be doing that that's crazy but my bigger issue is hey men, if you go to your doctor and your doctor says here's the medicine i prescribed to you i go to the doctor the doctor says okay I shouldn't have to go to to get get tested for something or then go to a venue and show them my medical ID because it's going to go beyond that. This right now, it's how they get you. They say, well, we want to stop the pandemic. You got to get the app. You got to get the Excelsior pass. And in a year, I tell you, it's going to be something else. It's going to be, oh, did you? uh, Oh, you said naughty words. It's going to be total social credit. It was funny. I tweeted this. I tweeted social credit scores are next. Mm-hmm. And some, some like establishment lefties are like, you watch too much TV. Hmm. I thought it was funny. I was like, yeah, you know, it, I, maybe, cause I watched a documentary from the German outlet DW and, uh, they interviewed some, uh, Chinese, uh, individuals working on the social credit stuff talking about how amazing it was and how crime has gone down. And it's, and it's so amazing now that people are recognizing that you can't just do these things. Like, oh yeah, putting people in rigid boxes. The biggest problem I have with it, centralized authority doesn't work. It spins out, spins out of control, dissent emerges rapidly, and because of the centralized control and, and people being pressed down, there's no pressure release for the people. Right. There, there's no protest, there's no leave, there, there's, there's no moment of, of being left alone. And that's one of the things I said a, a year or so, two years ago maybe, I said, they will never leave you alone. If you think keeping your head down is going to keep you out of this political conflict, you are wrong. And the best thing you can do now is speak up before it's too late. Unfortunately, People don't care. It's a sad it's a sad tale, man. We have how many stories from the past about totalitarians, authoritarians, and why you must speak up. But I didn't speak up because I wasn't X or I wasn't Y and I don't want I, I don't want to lose my job because, you know, I have kids. I said this over the past couple of years. Speak up at your job when they do the critical race applied principle stuff. Speak up against it, stand up against it, and people say, but I'll get fired. Think about the future for your kids. And they say, Well, you know, Okay, well, now you're at the point where your job is mandating uh, either masks or vaccines, and we get people commenting, being like, "What do I do?" And I'm like, "You could have stood up last year, you know, and pushed back against the authoritarian, you know, takeover." But for now, I would just recommend first going to your doctor and making your decision on your own health, and then if you if you can't work at this place for whatever reason, leave the job.
3: Yeah, and I, and I think what we're seeing right now is that a bunch of the elitists who are at the forefront pushing a lot of these. Collectivist policies are not are are in a, in a sort of cocoon of political correctness. They are taking the path of least resistance. They're not used to people pushing back. They're not used to people, and you don't even have to do it to push back in a sort of angry mean way. Any kind of objection to them, especially if you show your human side and really put pressure on them, can be effective. And I've seen this firsthand, uh, when the school dist- district that I live in, they did a critical race theory thing under the guise of so-called Unity Day. Um, I, you know, the superintendent, after I shown a spotlight on it, was like effectively begging me to go and meet them in person because they weren't surprised at all of the angry parents responding. So I went and I talked with them and politely explained why parents were so angry and gave them some options. And I think that, you know, uh, this kind of uh, where you look at sort of the middle managers uh, in this system of all of these groups that sort of are, are kind of at the front, they're not used to people being angry. They're used to social pressure. That's basically how they became a leftist to begin with is because of um, peer pressure, going with the flow. They need to understand that there is no flow anymore. There is no go there is no, you know, just go go along to get along sort of thing where you can run in this little suburban mom group and everybody's gonna agree with you. You have to make sure that you understand. They need to see you as a person. You need to look them in the eye and so that you don't agree with them and you need to you know, just show show them that, that they're hurting people with these policies and that they're causing real damage to this country and they're people who are were suffering and that, you know, they may believe they have good intentions, but nobody ever really explains to them the the human cost like we saw with the with the North Carolina uh restaurant owner. There's a face to these people who they're hurting.
0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at Chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
2: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. There is a flow that people can go with, and it leads to a waterfall. Yep. So the people who are sitting back being like, hey, man, look, I'm not going to fight the current. Eventually, they just go, well, well you could have turned around. You could have paddled against it. You could have grabbed a tree branch or done something. But people just said, I don't, I don't want to rock the boat, you know, I, the captain seems to know what he's doing and the cliff is right there. That's what it feels like to me. No one, the people who are, who are running this stuff in, in, in these town, uh, councils and these city board meetings, they have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea what's going on. They don't know what is or isn't because the, the rules keep changing. And then you have people sitting there being like, well, you know, they'll do it, I guess. No you know people got to wake up and be responsible for their own lives man there 's a, there's a, there's a substantial substantive lack of personal responsibility among a lot of Americans these days
3: yeah and i, and I just I, I think that right now what we 're seeing with this sort of information landscape that we're all we 're all kind of in, immersed in and that you know we 're in independent media or alternative media and they 're trying to change the landscape to take away uh, our opportunities to reach these people and to organize them and you know i 've been trying to organize people to have political pushback since the Tea Party movement in 2010. Um, you know, these sort of uh, these sort of organic grassroots sort of organization that we need to do. Um, that's that's that can be successful and it can work, but you have to get out and you have to, you know, make sure that you're very visible. I mean, in New York, they recently had a protest against the the COVID mandates and, and, the, uh, and the and the and the passports and they And they made a real show to force, but it's just glaring how that's not really the case in this country. Um, It's kind of um, surprising to me. It's kind of a letdown that we're not really getting out in force. Um, So I just want to encourage people to really start using those networks that they built up over the years and start, you know, don't be afraid to go out and organize and to do things. The worst thing they can do is is, is try to force you to get home. And if you do, or it try to force you to go home, or disperse for not having an ordinance or having a petition, uh, then get it on video. Send it to influencers. Make it known that there is real authoritarianism behind these policies, and make them make people understand that these are authoritarians. They can't hide behind.
2: I think there's going to be a, uh, a big wake-up call for a lot of people now with uh, the mandates. NBC News ran this article saying that vaccine mandates will hurt corporations that are trying to hire, because a lot of people are going to be like, wait, what? I have to do what? You know, we talk about this restaurant. This guy who's not political, doesn't know what's going on. He's like, I don't want to be involved, right? How many people were ignoring all of this being like, what? Well, we don't go outside. We wear a mask. OK, whatever. You had, uh, uh, who was it, Bill Burr, the comedian? where he was like, I turn on the TV every two weeks and then, you know, if they tell me to wear a mask, I'll wear it, whatever. Mm-hmm. You had Ethan Klein from H3 saying, you just go to the CDC and they tell you what to do. You don't even got to think about it. These are the people who are going to wake up one day when they go to work and they're going to be like, oh, did you get your your vaccine? And they're going to be like, wait, for my what? you have to do that? Oh Yeah, otherwise you're fired. And they're going to be like, hold on a minute. Because there's a big line between wearing a mask and getting something injected into you. Again, you, you know, you go to your doctor. The problem is some people might have... Okay, and and I looked up the pronunciation, Guilain Barre.
5: Guillan Barre. No,
2: no, it is not Guillan. I no. looked it up and it's talked to a French up? guy. Uh, I can't pronounce Guine it. Guillan Barre. Guillain Barre.
3: Oh, Barre. Okay,
2: yeah. Yeah, and and or you can be, you can if you say it fast, Guillain uh, Barre syndrome. All right. And because uh, it's named after two guys, that was their name. And it's and, and because people keep telling me different pronunciations for it, so I finally like just watched a video talking about the scientist, and I'm like, Argh. anyway. <laughs> Uh, if you have if you have an underlying health condition and your doctor recommends against it, people are going to wake up hard to like. Wait a minute, hold on a minute. There was this 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 band playing a show in Florida, where they said it's a thousand dollars a ticket, but it's only eighteen dollars if you, if you can prove you've been vaccinated. And so this one woman gave an interview where she was like, "My doctor recommended against the vaccine, and now I can't go to the show, hmm. but rich people can." That's going to be the thing that kind of pulls people into what's going on. Like all of a sudden now. You've got people who are going to go up to, to work one day, and they're going to be like, you can't come back until you go to your doctor and talk to them. They're going to be like, really? And now people are going to be forced to ask questions and engage.
3: Well, I saw I saw uh, just this week there was an Ohio judge that sent a man who had possession of fentanyl. And he was up in, in front of the judge, and he violated his probation. And one of the terms of the probation that he was be, would be forced to take the vaccine. Right. Uh, and one of the things that was interesting – uh about that is the judge admitted I'm not a doctor and he supposedly just referred to the CDC's order and that he had to wear a mask and all of this stuff. The CDC is de facto acting as some extra-legal actor in in our uh, you know in in our it's public gui- policy process, but they are just ultimately bureaucrats and not only can they be wrong, they have been wrong. Multiple times, whether it's surface contaminants or viral load after getting the vaccine and, and transmission. Oh, well, it just goes on and on. Fauci recognizes that. you know, He says the science changed. That The science doesn't change. Your understanding of the science changed because you were not making it according to the empirical evidence that is right well, in no, no, front no. of I, you. I think,
2: I think the, the, the science changes. The problem is in an emergency situation, they're making recommendations off of incomplete information. So they're like, here's what we noticed. So, so Fauci said this. This is actually what Fauci said. That at first they said, don't wear masks. Then they found out asymptomatic people were spreading it and said, okay, now wear masks. So they were still in the process of trying to figure out what was going on. And, and then the they said it. it was
3: aerosolized and, and instead of just, and, and so, you know, and, and so a mask is not gonna have any effect, uh, uh, short of an N95 potentially that in a, in a, a I'll hospital you, setting. I'll,
2: I'll tell you the issue I have with like, with the, uh, with the establishment, with YouTube on this one is, mm-hmm. Celebrities can come out and tell you, go and do it. You can't come out and say, don't, right? Right. And the argument is, well, the CDC is advising for these things. Right, right, right. Hold on. Even, okay, so I I think I shouldn't recommend anything at all. I think you should talk to a medical professional. You know, somebody who actually knows, I don't want to get sued if I give someone medical advice that's bad. I don't want to get sued if I give financial advice that's bad. I don't think celebrities are in a place to decide what someone should be doing with, with their with their health because they may have, like uh, Pete Parada, formerly of the offspring, mm-hmm. Guillain-Barre syndrome, probably, right. however you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, what ends up happening is you see all these celebrities telling people to do something. I think because of that blind zealotry, vaccine zealotry, you'll end up with more reports in the Vera system people who are adversely impacted because they should have gone to a doctor and then said to them like oh i have this that or otherwise the doctor might have been like oh okay for that reason i say no so there's probably a small percentage of people i do think the vaccines are overwhelmingly safe i think it's fine mm-hmm. but i ultimately think i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell an individual to ignore their doctor like a celebrity would that to me is a problem if you want to tell someone to go to their i even i even had uh, establishment democrat types attacking me as anti-vax for saying Please go to your doctor. I was on Twitter and I was like, "Celebrities should not be encouraging people. They should be encouraging them to go to their doctor." And people were like, "You're an anti vaxxer I'm like,
3: well, I, "What?" <laughs> I really liked what Doctor Drew said the other day and this sort of a you know mini viral rant that he had about this. That that when he was a doctor and he was treating his patients, the CDC was like some kind of footnote. That you know, okay. Oh, the CDC says that, the WHO says that, that's great. It's like goes in the file of things and you just don't pay attention to it very much unless it's a headliner sort of thing of, you know, a a drug problem or something like this. It wasn't the authority body that you took orders from. Uh, No, if you have a license to practice medicine, you treat people on an individual patient basis and you know all the statistics you know the health factors the risk factors you and you know i mean you don't need the cdc to tell you these things you need them to publish them uh and, and sure sure there might be some guidance there but it's kind of like in the helpful suggestions thing and a doctor can be go thank you thank you very much for your opinion it, it, but that's fine i've got it
2: <laughs> it's the authoritarian creep right that it was that
4: trump Trump's a hypochondriac, and he gave full <laughs> oh, power shit. to the CDC, oh.
3: and, and Fauci just completely elevated it all. And I was like,
4: it's a horrible global pandemic,
3: and then he gave it over. Trump all. definitely get, deserves some criticism for what you're saying. Yeah. He has he, he, he a germaphobe, I hear. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The handshakes for a long time. He, did, you and know, that's he why didn't he, want to shake people. Uh, I, 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 I
2: was told that he only eats fast food because it's uh you can walk in, order it, and it's already pre-made. And there's a there's a concern about if he orders it to order, someone will do something to it.
3: Well, no wonder he, he got used to the ketchup that he puts on a steak. I think that may be the only exception. But Did yeah, you, you? could be right.
2: Well, I, I love the ketchup and steak story. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this one? Do you guys remember this one? It's it's really really yeah. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back up, back up because we haven't said in a long time. There was a big report about Trump having this very fancy like dry aged steak, well done with ketchup, and the media insulted him and ridiculed him and said he was so uncouth and, oh, he doesn't even know how to eat steak. Oh, this guy's ridiculous. Meanwhile, working class union guy in the Midwest was sitting there eating his well-done T-bone with ketchup going, that's how I like my steak. See, when I was growing up, we had the garbage steaks from the the local supermarket. You don't cook those rare. You got to cook them through because they're not good steaks. And then you slop ketchup on them. So you do. My dad would always be like, you know, that's an insult, right? It's like, I make my steaks good. But we had, we had good steaks when I was a kid. We weren't, we weren't always eating bad steaks. But when we would, it's like, you cook it through. Donald Trump does that. It's relatable to working class people who can't afford the filet mignon. To the rich people, they're laughing. Medium rare, a little garlic and salt. What's he doing? What a, what a, what a, what a nut. Just shows you how the establishment hates the little guy. Like the story we, we, we were leading off with. But let me, let's talk about the story. You see this, uh, you see the protests breaking out in Tennessee over the, over the masks in schools? All these parents showed up.
3: Yeah. I saw a clip of it this morning.
2: They're screaming. You're, you know, there's a special place in hell for you. We Ooh. know where you, we, 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 we'll find you. We know where you live. Wow. You know what's really crazy about this stuff? First, I'll say a couple things. We have the story from CNN. School mask debate in Tennessee grows heated as local board requires masks in elementary schools. What's interesting is that Steve Bannon told us this. He said, come August 15th, When parents see what these schools are doing to their kids, the moms are going to come out and all hell will break loose. Something to that effect, paraphrasing. And it wasn't just critical race applied principles. It wasn't just the masses, all of these things. And now it's August 12th and we're seeing parents screaming at these people. So I think Steve was right about that. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in, in, in in the next couple of weeks with schools coming back in full swing and parents being like, nah, none of this. But the crazy thing about it is these school boards that are voting to have mask mandates... While there are 100 or so parents outside screaming insults and, 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 you know, we know where you live, veiled threats, why are they voting in favor of that?
3: Yeah, I, I don't know. These parents will have a long memory, too. They are not going to let this go. If, if they do something to harm their kids' mental health, like we saw that last year uh, with the mask mandates and, and just the policies that they put in place in these schools, depression went way up, anxiety went up, suicide hotline calls went way up, suicide rates have crept up um they they are harming their kids to a lot of in a lot of parents' opinions, not all. Some people think that it's protecting their kids, which is why we cannot have a shared reality right now, apparently. Uh, so they' are not go, they're not gonna let this go, Tim. you know obviously. what you know what
2: you know what these people don't understand and I uh, so I'm 35, right The day uh, time moves much more quickly as you get older, they say. And it's mostly because things become routine. At least this is, this is my view of it. When I wake up and have breakfast and same breakfast over and over again, my, I, I don't have a strong memory of the breakfast I had because it's the same breakfast I had a hundred times. Mm-hmm. I'm older. A lot of my experiences are routine and forgettable. But the first time you rode a train, train, I remember the first time I rode a train. I remember the first time I flew in a plane because those were like things in my life I'd never done before. When you're younger, you're 10 years old. A day is a lot longer percentage wise of your life. So imagine a year of not being able to go outside, go to the park, go play with your friends. It's like putting these kids in solitary confinement. I know a guy and his son committed suicide. He was 12 because of the lockdown. And then his dad came out and started doing advocacy saying, like, we can't do this to our kids, man. You're an adult. Maybe you don't mind sitting in your lounge chair and relaxing and working from home. But these kids are trying to, to experience life and it's being stripped away from them. If you're 10, 10 percent of your life was in solitary basically
1: Mm.
2: 10 percent for me 135th of my life was spent with the lockdown and i'm i'm older and i'm working running a company i've had the experience i've traveled the world i've hung out with my friends i've gone skateboarding and now i'm like working from home building a business these kids they want to go out they want to
3: explore well i think the narrative needs to be switched on its head uh these children have a right to their childhood. They have a right to see smiling people. They have a right to live in a pleasant environment. They have a, and we're talking about the formative years. So it is really beyond a doubt. And you know, I was a psych department assistant. I, I listen. You know, I, I'm immersed in all, all of psychology and childhood development and so forth. You are stunning their psychosocial development it's really not even debatable it's it's just a fact if you take away the right to read you know the, the ability of children to read emotions or to feel comfort and to see uh, smiling faces and reassurance you are basically it's kind of like the that old video the wall from pink floyd you know you're just creating like this factory of faceless uh you know uh anon- anonymous just sort of uh, you know you're dehumanizing them you're alienating them you're atomizing them, and this for me it's it strikes me as a political program. It's not it's the, the children are not in from what I've seen, the research Wall Street Journal. You can go uh, j- just look at it. They're not appreciably at risk for this. Thank God. It's one of the small miracles that we can point to during this pandemic. And we're not taking advantage of it. The, it used to be in society where adults were wanted to be on the front lines. They wanted to bear the brunt of things. They wanted to protect their children um, at all costs. And now we're seeing, from what I perceive is a lot of anxiety and hysteria and selfishness on the point of parents who just refuse to protect their children, it's their childhood. I mean, it, they, they're, 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 project, they're so selfish and narcissistic, they're projecting their own anxiety onto their own child. And for me, that just shows a lack of empathy and ability to put yourself in another person's shoes. It's a real I, uh, social scourge right now. I
2: posted simply an image from Statista of covid deaths by age group Mm. right i said nothing made no comment screenshot post some establishment type democrat activist took the screen grab circled like circled the elderly and then said tim pool doesn't care that these people are going to die and i'm like i literally said nothing i literally had no comment on the data other than like i just posted the data like here's some information for you nice it shows you the weakness that they're they're concerned about the, the, the largest group at risk are people who are over 65. There is a decent risk for people over 40, mm-hmm. and the risk diminishes for people who are under 40. Uh, I believe it's like 1.63% of deaths were under 40. Close, yeah. And uh, 30%, according to the CDC, of people
3: hospitalized were obese. So it was much more than that. I read when it was 78% that CDC said they had obesity. But that is one study. It, it probably, I w- I to it probably varies. Website. It probably varies. CDC website. It's just said a headline. 30.2% yeah,
2: of hospitalizations over the past, okay. uh, since the start of the pandemic, was, were, was obesity. Okay. 94% comorbidities. Mm-hmm. So That's I think right. understanding all of the context, having that information when you go to your doctor and talk to them about what makes sense for you, and being healthy. Take care of yourself, eat right. Be right, be well, all that good stuff.
4: Ninety-four percent of the people hospitalized by COVID have had comorbidity.
3: of death. That's right. CDC deaths, says, says deaths, that. Of yeah, of right. Yeah, so, deaths. in other words, one point six average of people with cardiopulmonary diseases, lung disease, uh, diabetes, etc., which age, cre- are plausible. morbidity Yeah, and so so it's older people. Yeah, so there are plausible causes of death, and they happen to test positive for COVID as well. Yeah. So they're not trying to do a diagnosis of a cause of death necessarily, but they're saying. I, w- I will I will stress
2: too a lot of people think that the 94% comorbidity means they didn't die from covid but the that's way not true. right the way to describe it is like imagine you have a bridge that's been old and dilapidated and then someone jumps up and down on it like the covid is the jumping up and down like well yeah if you didn't do that the bridge probably would have been fine so you get you get something like covid and look we've had uh, a lot of people on this show uh conservatives who have either been vaccinated or have gotten covid and it it sounds bad yeah i i it, it, I've, I, we have, we've talked to some people on the show. I don't want to out the people who have, you know, experienced right. bad sicknesses, but we've had people who are like, dude, it was miserable. Mm-hmm. Like two weeks of fatigue. Yeah. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
0: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
0: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>
3: You get Tr- that with the breathing. shots too, though. I mean, I had the Moderna round uh, a couple of those, and uh, yeah, it wiped me for a couple of weeks. So, but wow. the, but the thing for this that we want to do, we want to introduce it to all of our troops. For me, that is too risky. These these are young, athletic, you know, physically fit people who are not necessarily at risk that much. Uh, it's it's uh, very similar to seasonal flu if you look at the statistics for that particular age group, twenty to thirty. And I think it's very. I think you wait until all of yeah, the but results there, come in to make that decision. So I think they should be very careful about that. I'm a I, I I
2: definitely point. agree with being careful. I definitely think the challenge here is. I, I hope that they go on an individual basis. That's always the important thing because of potential underlying conditions. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, if we've got people that have to go into conflict and deploy and go in areas, it would it would be nightmarish if there was an outbreak of COVID, of of of, of any illness, really. My understanding was that you know people who when they go through basic they get a bunch of vaccines. Absolutely, anyway. yeah. So I agree. I think we, we got to be really careful right now, simply because uh, we need FDA approval for sure. We need to make sure we're, we're doing right by all of the science, and with, Fauci, with even Fauci saying the science changes as as we learn more, it's like okay, well, like let's make sure if it's our military, we're going to be extra careful to make sure that we have the capability to defend ourselves and our allies. And, you know, just. I'm just wondering if the
3: vaccine could harm even metabolism or, you know, to have some sort of lingering effects. It it is possible that it could cause some sort of um, reaction. And I mean, because you're intentionally stimulating the immune system to have a response against an antigen. But that's any. That's tricky. Uh, That is true, but. uh, This
2: this is something that Charlie Kirk brought up when we were on the debate with Vosh. He mentioned Guillain Barre syndrome. And he he said that uh, the, the, you know, CDC has put out a nerve damage warning for the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. That that side effect actually is for many other vaccines as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I went to the CDC a few years ago. Uh, this was during I think Zika, and I did an interview because we were we you know we we were just trying to find some like interesting stories, and it was around the time the division came out. You ever play that game? I didn't play The Division. Awesome game, by the way. Right. And it's basically like the world is a post-pandemic apocalyptic mm-hmm. scenario. And so I was like, let's go do an interview at the CDC and ask them about their um, – I forgot what it was called. It was like Operation Something where they simulated a, a large-scale pandemic. And it was really interesting. And what I was told there by some of the people at the CDC was there are risks for vaccines and side effects. They're they're well-known. They're on the CDC's website. Make mm-hmm. sure you read that stuff and talk to your doctor because you could be in that that small percentage group. They said the challenges were for a lot of these diseases. If there's like, we're expecting to get 200,000 deaths from a disease and the vaccine could result in 50,000 adverse reactions, we, we have to choose the least amount of damage. So we'll encourage people to get the vaccines. And I, I understand that it is quite utilitarian, but. I can't pretend to have the answers for people, other than. But you and- see that
3: with children, the mortality rate is far is lower than the incidence rate of rea- of uh, reaction reported by bears. But I mean, obviously, mortality is worst case outcome. Uh, but pericarditis, myocarditis, is, and so on is very serious. So I mean, obviously, we sit here, we we second guess and we armchair a lot of these um, health experts. But when you when you look at you know the the problem is, and you see with any kind of information system, it reminds me of a kind of like a Hayek uh versus Keynes sort of argument when you have decentralized sort of um you know decision makers uh you know uh we have doctors who can assess individual health risks and um and just have that patient centric care that we're so used to in the United States uh where we have a consumer model of of medicine provision right um you know that is is has tended to serve the United States people very well. We have lower, we have we have superior cancer treatment. We have some of the most advanced um, medical uh, centers in the world. Um, but what we're seeing right now is a more socialized medicine approach, where bureaucrats who are not teaching or are, are treating everyone in American society as if they're a homogenous group. Um, and we're all likely to have a uh, serious uh, reaction to COVID when, or the Delta variant, which is predominant in the United States right now and is much weaker and less, less de- deadly statistically, um, is treating us as if we're all at equal risk. This is not the way the United States medicine has been practiced, uh, and it, we've always relied on our doctors to make the, ju- the best judgments. There's a few exceptions, you know, smallpox, uh, for example, uh, you know, led to, you know, mandates for vaccines. So it isn't the first time it's ever happened in this country, by the way. Um, but, but what we see with the, with the vaccines is so they just rolled out so fast with the warp speed and, You know, there's a lot of conflicting information. We're in the information age now and it's just, we're getting pulled in different directions. It's undermining trust for a lot of people and they're projecting their fear of the vaccine. Uh, into their general distrust of the establishment, you right. know the people who have problems with the election and the people who have a problem with the vaccine. There's, there's likely to be a very large op- overlap. However, it isn't the largest reticent group in the United States demographically. It's African Americans, followed by Hispanics, who which Asians seem to be the most likely to go get the. the, vaccine.
2: the you know what? Uh, among educated, the largest uh, PhDs, PhDs. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's strange. I, I, I ultimately think there's, there's been a lot of people because I always say, talk to your doctor. And then I get the, the typical response from people is like, "Doctor, my doctor doesn't know anything or otherwise," and I'm like, "You have a bad doctor," you know what I mean? Like, uh, man, I, I've been prescribed stuff in the past. I don't even know what it is. You know, when, when you when I got like a, I injured my knee. They gave me some kind of steroid you get for like an, an, uh, tendon inflammation and damage or whatever. I'm like, I don't know what this is. Hmm. Thanks, doc. Patch me up and send me on my way. Doctor hands me a bunch of things like, here you go. Take this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Uh, prednisolone or something. Prednisone. 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 Corticosteroid. Yes. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I had damaged what the, uh, edgy. <laughs> what's the, what is it? Meniscus? Is meniscus. 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 at oh, well. the knee? Yeah. Yeah. I fell from like a seven foot quarter pipe <laughs> to, to the deck. dude. And what were you trying to do? <laughs> I was just cruising. I was cruising. I was trying to do a, a rock and roll, just cruising right. around. I hung up. It happens, you know, when the front wheels hit it. Mm. And I go to the doctor and he's like, here you go. And he literally pulled out a bunch of these little packets and he's like, you're good. That's enough. And he was like, he gave me the prescription. He, he gave me the, the regimen or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know what it is. I'm going to take it. If you don't trust your doctor, you need to find a doctor you trust. And see, if, if, if the crazy thing about it is, yeah, people can be political you might go to a doctor and he's got like a Biden flag and he's waving it in front of you. Then go find a guy who's got the Trump flag and ask him, oh, he's a doctor. I don't know. Find a, find a doctor you trust. But yeah, you're right. I think this weird thing happened with, it, it's, it's very tribalist where there's a big overlap between people who don't trust the establishment and also are skeptical of vaccines. But it's, isn't it interesting how it switched with the election? So this, this is fascinating. The, the polling data shows that Democrats felt the economy was bad, but right when Joe Biden got elected, they felt the economy was good. Like, come on. That's and of course not, we had Kamala Harris and, and
3: other Democrats were, sh- were throwing shade on the vaccine before the election. And then when Joe Biden's election, oh, the vaccine's fine. Everybody has to get it. It's a it's weird. Very weird. It's yeah. a weird
2: flip. Yeah. So I can understand, you know, people. Uh, I, I, here's the only thing I can understand is I went and talked to my doctor. My doctor said X. Like, right on. That's, that's all. Other than that, basing your view of your health off of political tribalism, I think, is really a bad idea. Like, yo, go for a walk, man. Turn Twitter off and get away from this can, stuff.
3: Can we wrap that up a little bit to the election and sort of the controversy about the election? What we're talking, saying with the vaccine flip right. where we saw, we saw people, you know, Kamala Harris telling people like, you know, I wouldn't trust a vaccine from Trump, et cetera. You know, I think, you know, when we see the controversy in the election, of course we had Mike Lindell's cyber symposium, all this stuff going on. It's still lingering the aftermath of it and people still distrust the elections. Well, the thing that I find very interesting is, and, is that a lot of the objections of people right now who have problems with the 2020 election? You, if you go back and look at Nancy Pelosi, you look at all the Democrats in, in, in running up to the 2020 election, they were, they were nervous that the about the voting machine companies they were nervous about you know we had kill chain with hbo yeah exactly the yeah, documentary we, there. yeah harry hurstie and all that it, we, we you know they were you know throwing i mean you go back early like 2020 you know on the house floor they they were debating all of these problems with uh with our elections and um the lack of security in the voting machines and so so forth and You know, the thing I find interesting is that I would just... You know, one of the things that I found just went viral during this whole period of like in November and December is I would just find clips of democrats or just tv shows talking about how terrible our election security was and what what really kind of opened my eyes is when Siza came out said it was the most secure election in history and i knew that they could not have known that and it, it, they just had no time so they had no time to, to investigate say. so it looked like a pr release so that really woo, how did you investigate
2: the previous election? that that That's was a big red said. flag for me he's mm-hmm. like oh
3: Siza's is saying it's already secure and they could not have investigated it that quickly And I'm not, I'm not backing all of the conspiracy theories and stuff that float out there that proved to be false, like the German server thing that Mm. was just a stupid rumor. Or now
2: the China hacking thing. Yeah, all of that stuff. I've
3: never, I mean, look, I've looked into it. I mean, if there was something smoking gun there, I definitely would bring it to people's attention. I'm, I don't see the smoking guns. The closest thing that I've seen to a smoking gun is just the Fulton County video with the, looks like some shady activity going there. Which one? Uh, the Fulton County video. State Farm, State Farm Arena. They took people out. It looks like the election workers were, Doing ballots multiple times, it but looks said, that way. But, 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 here's, but that's but, the closest thing to a smoking gun. I was trying to. That's how I was trying to say. I,
2: I, I see those things, and I'm like, that's an anomaly. We should investigate. But yeah. you can't say what it is. But it's you know just I mean? one
3: video. They screwed up because it was the State Farm Arena video. They didn't know that it was on surveillance, and that was su- sub- subpoenaed. There, there were probably there are multiple was it places that were shut down at you know after hours, and then the, the, you know the, you had to have spikes. But did know, they, did, did strange they, spikes. Did
2: they find those people actually did scan ballots multiple times? See, they,
3: they, they, they just found double counting. They never really went after them, I and mean, like Kemp and or whatever, never went after them. I mean, they complained about it on social media. Raffensperger was like, yes. "Oh, these these people are negligent, you know, they they're reckless in their duty, and you know, we've had enough." Nobody was charged. Right, so uh,
2: I I think one of the issues is with with an election involving what what was it like 170 million people or whatever. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you got 170 million people. Mm -hmm. There's going to be instances instances like that, right? And you can't take one morsel and extrapolate it to a large, widespread, you know, claim or whatever.
3: True, but you're going down to like these, these swing states. And for me, like the most substantial complaint about it was that these, uh, that the rules about the absentee balance and everything was changed in extra, extraordinarily and extra judiciously, uh, or, or extra legally. Let's put it that way. Emergency powers were invoked in these differences in, in Georgia, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, uh, and Pennsylvania. Uh, and did not go across through the, the board. Yeah. Like, even, yeah. even
2: in states Trump won, the, the, the rules were changed.
3: Yeah. There, there were, there were, uh, executive orders issued in some states; others did pass it through the legislature. Um, but but I'm just I'm citing the ones that were brought forth in the Texas lawsuit that was just dismissed out of hand for lack of standing, even though they gave an indication that it wouldn't have held up anyway. Um, a, a hint that they were were not partial to it. Um, so I'm just saying a lot of these lawsuits were dismissed on lack of standing. It wasn't really investigated, and that's really something that's been dri- dr- you know driving me. Is really to I wonder about the role of private voting machine companies as this, this sort of opaque intermediary where they they own the source code and the intellectual property. They don't have to give you the passwords uh, as, apparently, as we see in Arizona. They don't have to give them access. So um, if they are tabulating our results, who is holding them accountable and how?
2: That's that's the real issue. It's in very
3: stra- It's very odd to me that that the left doesn't seem to care about this corporate for-profit entity sitting in the middle of our democratic elections. With for, with with pri, pri, uh, proprietary source code. Right, with proprietary. I mean, there's people who have suggested open source code elections, which could be a solution. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, these for-profit entities and, and, like, Facebook funding these drop boxes in majority blue dem- districts, according to analyses, um, this is a sort of unusual corporate... Intrusion into our democratic al- uh, process that would normally be raising alarm bells on the left and before Trump lost, they were raising this, red flags and then just, they just stopped because... And, and,
2: and, and I think, okay. <laughs> you know, right now I'm, I'm in favor of it. I, I say, this, uh, do the investigation, do the audit. Mm-hmm. Let's see what they can produce at the symposium, fine, whatever. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Here's what I think. The real problem is that Time magazine article, yes. the shadow campaign to save the election. It was the Republicans in Pennsylvania drafting the legislation, passing legislation for universal mail-in voting. Mm-hmm. Things that change the rules dramatically. What ends up happening now is the most fervent supporters of Donald Trump, who would be the, 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 the champions on the front lines of fighting for voter integrity, are being distracted by conjecture, anomalies, conspiracy, things that are very, very difficult, if not in many ways, impossible to prove. Mm-hmm. And if all that energy from Mike Lindell was a voter integrity symposium. And he said, and they went up on stage and said, in Pennsylvania, the Constitution says absentee ballots function this way, and they pass this. That's not about, that's not a. That, that's about persuasion, and that would dramatically alter and, and, and fortify the system, li- literally fortify the system. Instead, they're making claims that China, you know, working with deep states and NASA, and then today you get this report from the Washington Times, not a leftist publication, by the way, conservative Christian, that... One of the security guys that Mike Lindell hired said the data he had was a turd, and he was tasked with turning that turd into a diamond, mm. and the, the the information does not substantiate claims about China hacking the election.
3: Right, and, and, and what, what I'm seeing on the right to kind of just try to promote some healthy criticism on that side… Uh, of the Of the conversations what, just what you said, you should put this energy into voter integrity laws. You should put it into trying to get your legislature to hold voting machine companies more accountable and to open up transparency in those regards. Those are responsible intelligent uh, p- political processes that we can work together and possibly even uh, persuade independence but instead, paranoia is stultifying it 's self defeating it 's debilitating, but some people are just. Uh, addicted to it, they're abs- they they want to grab onto paranoia because it feels like their country is falling apart, their worldview is being threatened in well, the ways. The country, I think, is falling apart. It, yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Our constitutional <laughs> rights are definitely right. being eroded on on almost a weekly basis. It's almost it's startling. I mean, we had President Biden with his eviction uh, decree violating the Third Amendment. I mean, uh, it's like, amazing, is like, amazing. You're
2: very skilled. Some if you can, somehow <laughs> if Biden managed can, to sorry. violate the Third Amendment. How amazing. Do that?
3: Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Congrats. (laughs) You get a, you get in the history book for that reason. Yeah. That's that's incredible. Um, but I'm, but just to go to your point, we definitely need to really concentrate. Keep your eye on the ball. I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from Mike Lindell. He believes in what he's doing. He's, he's being sued. He's under fire by Dominion. He obviously is a true believer in what he's doing. And, and I I give him credit for, well, uh, it seems to me that he's very fervent about his cause. He tried to, he
2: tried to get the lawsuit dismissed.
3: Yeah, I know. And then it said that the, the First Amendment is not a you know it's not an umbrella he, he, protection for it. He had right.
2: initially said that he was happy to hear he was being sued because it would allow him to get to discovery to pull the evidence faster. Yeah. Also, it would have given him a venue to prove with a judge overseeing it that his <laughs> evidence was true and correct. If he had the evidence to prove, he why would he get the suit dismissed? He'd be like, "Oh, great! I'll got to do. I can now show it to a judge, and the judge is going to be like." Wow, he was telling Maybe the, the
3: dollar signs were daunting. Who knows? Because it's like $1.3 billion. It's in. But, but it seems but to be their strategy. But the truth is, is an affirmative defense. People. That's true. And if, they're if, trying to scare people. You're if, right.
2: Look, but. if if I said the sky is blue and someone sued me for defamation, I'd be like, mm-hmm. I will love to come in and, and tell the judge, look at the sky. Like, waste your money by all means. I don't even got to do anything. Mm-hmm. Instead, he said he was very happy, but then filed a motion to dismiss, which would obstruct discovery. At the very least, he could have had discovery. That, to me, saying one thing and doing another... I mean, look, the guy makes great pillows. I genuinely think they're good pillows. I got the slippers. I got the towels. Mm-hmm. All, it's, it's because of Jack Posobiec, to be honest. Like, he's like, you know, his tweets, I'm yeah, just like, very <laughs> persistent. I'm on Twitter and I'm like, towels. And insidious. I was like, we we, we, we literally, we <laughs> did need towels. We need guest towels. And I'm like, and I see this tweet one day and I'm like, I was supposed to get towels last week and I didn't. And so I bought Aww. them. Uh, but right. I just, I, 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 you I, put I, the code I, in, right? I, I, you know what? I'll throw it to Steven Crowder. I'll song. throw it That's to Steven right. Crowder. Crowder said when he was doing his investigative work, that he thinks someone gave Lindell bad information.
3: Oh no. Yeah. And I
2: wonder if what happened was initially Lindell was a true believer and then he started to be like, wait a minute, maybe this isn't as sound as I thought, so I gotta dismiss this lawsuit. And I don't know though. I mean, why would he do the symposium? I just, look, I think you were, you, you said it, you know, people like the paranoia, it, it gives them a mission. It, I wish all of these people, there was like 190,000 people watching the symposium or something like that. Imagine if all of those people were watching a symposium on voter integrity. Cause you look what's happening now in Texas, right? They pass all these emergency provisions to make it ridiculously easy to vote. Okay, it should be easy to vote within reason, but not at, a, at the cost of security. You know You give up security, you, you, or, or, you, you know you, you weaken your elections, you can't get them back mm-hmm. instead uh, 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 what's happening now is they served a, a, the, the arrest warrants for the Democrats because they fled the state. They're saying, "We did it, we passed the bill. yay, the Republicans are acting like they won when they actually lost because their bill is a compromise. The, the the reform bills we're seeing from Republicans don't completely reverse in many states the pandemic provisions. It curtails them only a little bit. We saw this in Georgia, I You're think, right. when they were like, This this voter suppression bill and it was like it actually still expands. You could just
3: put your yeah, you could just put your driver's license number and send it in. And know. that's new. Yeah. It
2: wasn't that way before the pandemic. So the Republicans are acting like they're fighting back, but they're actually going like come in the back
3: door. Right.
2: And meanwhile, the people who should be standing up and screaming are distracted because someone's waving hash codes about China or something.
3: And it and it's it's really odd. And, and if there is some mastermind presiding over this, I have to give him some credit because the Georgia lo- voter, voter laws that you're talking about are weaker in some regards than like Delaware and Rhode Island and these other blue states. And yet when Major League Baseball pulls their all-star game, out of the atlanta area everybody in, in you know the airlines issue these statements everybody goes well it, they assume that it must have been a really legit voter law that scared the left it like it scared it scared the democrats and so they had to do these extreme measures so they um, moved to states actually, that have more yeah, right, stri- right, and then they moved it to Colorado, mm-hmm. and then it's just kind of like we assume on you know uh, and, and the sort of uh, critics, sort of the voter voter law, cri- the pandemic voter law critics put it that way. Sort of assume that this is a good law and it has merit. No, it's not necessarily the case. There's still a lot of loopholes going to what. Let's you said
2: let, let, let's talk about freedom, man. You okay. see this thing with uh, with Arnold? Yes. Mm. Screw your freedom. <laughs> I shouldn't do that impersonation. No. <laughs> uh, Arnold says, uh, uh, "Screw your freedom," to vaccine hesitant Americans, and uh, that was it. He was on CNN for some reason with uh, uh, with Vindman, uh, Army Lieutenant Colonel yeah. Alexander I Vindman, I for some reason. The whistleblower,
3: and as he admits,
2: the, the the general idea, I guess, from from Mr. Arnold, uh, the, the governor, is that with freedom comes responsibility, and that in a pandemic, people should be responsible and recognize their you know their responsibility you know what? He's not wrong. He's just a dick. Mm. Don't screw your freedom. freedom. Freedom is one of the most important things. Protecting the individual protects the system as a whole. Decentralized systems work better. That's why America has been so bountiful and successful and wealthy. And that's why the Soviet Union no longer exists. So no, don't screw your freedom. Protect the freedom. And also recognize your responsibilities, but do it better. In this instance, I think the issue is we, we're facing one of the, one of the, one of the mo- most difficult challenges, and it's the threat of a pandemic from the, from the authorities to try and gain, I don't know, somewhat ancillary political powers. They're, they're gaining so much by exploiting this crisis. So the risk is, you know, in, during World War II, we had an office of censorship. Loose lips sink ships. That's crazy. You know, we, we hate censorship. Censorship. But what would you do during World War II? You never know. If someone's listening, you might have some information. Information wasn't traveling as fast. So we do recognize our responsibility. But I don't know. I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on the celebrity stuff?
3: Well, like I said uh, to Arnold, I don't think he fundamentally understands what the issue here is or he's misrepresenting it. It's not about freedom. You should always have the right to decide what goes into your body. Um, Whether whether a government authority figure says so or not, it's my body, my choice. And and that goes back to the point that I was suggesting is the vaccine is ultimately works to prevent you from getting severe symptoms of it. And Dr. Rochelle Walensky drove this out essentially a week and a half ago. So it's there in black and white for anybody to go read what she said herself. But the point, the point remains that it is a decision to limit the risk of the virus that it poses to me individually. And so it's, it's each person's life to live on their own and we should respect each person's uh, autonomy. It's not like people are going to be spreading the disease if they're asymptomatic and they haven't gotten the vaccine. That, that is really such a far extreme outlier case that we are really trying to put some totalitarian system in place to prevent extreme outliers did it they, seems to be like what we're doing did they did they flip on asymptomatic spread uh, Initially, it's very curve. low like it's it was something like uh, 19 to 30 percent of of the spread is pre pre-symptomatic and then uh i think uh asymptomatic was lower than that this lower. is
2: this is why i can't stand the celebrities this is one of the most damaging things you could do if you were actively trying to get people to to get the vaccine the best thing you could do to protect individuals, to make sure we reduce the amount of adverse events that we see in VARES, and to is to tell people, I trust you to make the right decision, I trust you to talk to someone you trust. Like, you, you've gotta you gotta give, you know what I mean? When you come out and you bash someone over the head figuratively, like do as I say or else they say
3: I don't trust you. When you say screw your freedom, you're like – You're turning your... it into a political paradigm at that point. Right. And what you need to be doing is if, if, if I was going to trust somebody who took the vaccine and look, I decided to take the vaccine because I crunched the data. I said states that are t- have higher vaccination rates, it looks like they have less um, percentage of people who are getting severe symptoms. It seems like it's working. So that persuaded me. Like I just did my own data analysis and ran the comparative research and I found that, okay, it holds up. It, it it washes. So you look people in the eye and people who are hesitant or afraid to use the vaccine. And, not, and I'm not telling anybody to use it or not use it. Don't, 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 don't get me wrong, but I would say you appeal to you. Like, you know, I don't want to see people get extremely sick with this virus. I don't want to see your children lose a loved one um, over this. And so if you're at risk, you should talk to your doctor about getting this because it could really save your life. Potentially. If they would just leave it with that kind of sincere pitch, then it would be more persuasive to people. But when you interject the politics in there and the mandates and, and where we already have, uh, what's the fully vaccinated rate is 60% plus in right? the U S yeah, I think it was no, it's think over it's 60. 50, I 50.2, 60% something. of adults, I believe. Um, oh, okay. okay, more right. or less. Yeah. Uh, 60% of adults. I believe the last time I checked the data Australia was like like eighteen. Ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and so I, I just believe that, um, you know, it does help to, for for adults who are especially over, over 40, 98.4% or so uh, are, are of the mortality is, are, is over 40 years old. Um, so I think that the statistics bear out that you should get it. You should consider getting it at that rate. Um, the issue is freedom. But they're not that, – yeah, but they turn it, into a
2: freedom versus authority this, thing. This, this is why the Arnold thing is, is such a problem Yes, because we're talking about vaccine passports. We're talking about, you know, uh, Libby Emmons who was on the show uh, recently – she she tweeted that she doesn't believe children should have to wear masks, but her child will be wearing a mask because there's no options in New York City. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, leave New York City, you know, like don't make your kid go. Th- if you think it's wrong for your child, you make the choice. It's about freedom. So when he's saying screw your freedom, I don't I don't feel like he's actually talking about the, the vaccine, to be honest. I think he's talking about the expansion of the, the surveillance state, the expansion of people demanding you show your papers things I do not agree with. I think there's, 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 a, there's a mix between individual responsibility and responsibility to the greater community, and we have to find a balance, and it's not in authoritarianism. Making everybody adhere to a strict authority. You now, people have to, be, have, have, to, have to have some level of you know, autonomy. Okay. That, that, that's why I was saying, like, the Soviet Union, they lasted, what, 69 years? Fell yes, apart? The United 67%. States, a couple hundred years, and the wealthiest, most powerful country,
4: and all that good stuff.
2: It's because of
4: decentralization.
2: It's because of liberty. Right. It's because people can challenge the status quo. We're losing that.
4: I think there are times when you want to install authoritarian, you know, activity to preserve a nation, which we did with the polio vaccine, I think, or with smallpox we brought up earlier. Smallpox, however, does not exist in the animal population other than humans that we knew of. So that was why we were able to vaccinate and wipe it out. So it was an effective use of an authoritarian vaccine. Um, This virus seems to exist in the animal population. Meaning that you can't destroy it with a vaccine because it's going to be on all the animals that aren't vaccinated at all times. Mutations um, can occur in animals, and, I guess. Right, and then the mutations of the back. It seems vaccines. more similar to a flu, Actually. which is difficult to, to. You can't have. We haven't figured out how to, you know, right, eradicate the flu yet. Right. So I don't see an author. It just doesn't make sense to to authoritatively I've, do that. It'll yet. be
3: booster shots forever. I mean, with John. But with that's, the third, that third shot came out today uh, for the immunocompromised. But yeah. but you
2: know what? Okay, good. All right. So, the, but right. the issue should be on the policy front, it should be uh, get your yearly COVID shot, but not mandate, not lock everything down. I don't, I don't have an issue with yearly flu shots. It should
3: be, it should be like the flu shot. And what we're seeing with the Delta variant is sort of the normal co- course of pandemics that we've seen from 1968 and um, uh, 1919. Um, we, we, where you have this deadly wave and then it gets the mutates into a more contagious but less deadly va- variant. So it's very, na- it's sort of a natural flow of it that's kind of hidden with the obsession about cases right now. But that, that, but if you look at the mortality rates and hospitalization, uh, legitimate hospitalizations, uh, it kind of bears it out. Um, and what I mean by that is like they don't go into a hospital for a routine Checkup or something, and they happen to test for COVID. That didn't, doesn't necessarily mean they went there for COVID. So uh, it, this very opaque data is is difficult, and they've made mistakes with it lately. But the point is that it does seem to strike me the risk breakdown is like a, it should be like a flu shot. We the doctor says I recommend that you get it because you're obese or you have um, some sort of health factors, and you're in the you're in the age group. Um, but mandating that children get it, I don't see the science there I, I, at think, I, I just
2: don't really think the mandates in general. Yeah. Because like, the problem there, you, the problem arises when – like that, 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 that venue I mentioned where the, mm-hmm. the woman couldn't go to a show because her doctor recommended against it. Are, are we really going this route where it's like you, you in New York City you're not going to be able to go to a bar because they're like, well, then you got to get a negative test. So we're going to put a financial pressure. Uh, I, I assume that I, – I heard they're not doing the free tests anymore, I guess. So now what? Every three days you got to go to a clinic. Because you have an underlying medical condition, it's like it's like throw the ADA out the window, man. I'm I'm not okay with that. I think we have to
3: respect individual autonomy and. Well one thing that we could say right now about the progressive left is they haven't been hiding who they are for since Woodrow Wilson. Uh they have you know you you, you brought, he brought up like the Alien and Sedition Act it's, or the alien uh, yeah the alien and sedition act again part two uh that basically made it against uh against the government to criticize it during wartime etc. I I'm they have wanted a techno, techno managed society since that period and what the information age is in 1990 has given them the tools to do it. And since everything is a means to an end for these people, and you could read it in Saul Alinsky, you know, Reveille for Radicals or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, everything's a means to an end. So they will weaponize the DOJ. They will weaponize the CDC. They will weaponize every tool at their disposal. There is no moral um barrier that was in the place when the constitution was written for them they don't even see those barriers they see the ut- the utopian end line as a perfectly little managed anthill where they basically just direct people to go in a place and it's all harmonious and everybody has their little food and their little house and their little transport and it's not polluting the environment etc cetera, etc cetera. and that's what they see and i you know that's where you get like very intelligent people support these sort of causes they don't see it as authoritarian they just see it as proper management of society. Um, and so for us, you know, is- not, I mean, I'm not going to speak for you, but I mean, from my personal perspective, respecting the Constitution um, and, and, and individual rights and wanting people to have their life protected because they're given this gift, they have this agency, they have this wonderful chance to uh, just uh, experience uh, life with all the freedom and opportunity and, and control that they have over their own lives. This is if this is taken away. Then humanity is, as we know it is lost. It's well, not, it, for me, humanity the, sort of ceases to exist. Yeah. Sort of it'll be the Borg. Point. Yes.
2: You know, you know what, you know what, you know this is, it goes back to uh, colleges. When I was a kid. And everyone kept demanding I go to college. You gotta go to college, get that degree. I was like, I can't afford to go to college. Get, get loans. Why? What am I gonna do in college? You know, I was lucky. Because I was told when I was in grade school, Trust me, grade school is stupid. Once you go to high school, it's so much better. They have these different programs, and you can choose some of your classes. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I went to high school, and it was the exact same trash. And so I said, I'm out. Then when they came to me and said, college is different, trust me, I mm-hmm. say, I'm not going to believe
4: you this time. It was different, though. No, it wasn't. It, you, I ne- you don't have to go to class. I went, to, I went to a community
3: college. Yeah, I'm the in on that one. Yeah. Well, for sure, me.
2: I guess truancy laws don't exist when you're paying <laughs> the bill. Yeah, but I went right. to a community college for a couple oh, months. Me too. Well, and I was like – this is a waste of my time. Complete waste. It's the same same garbage. Here's, here's what ends up happening. You get these young people. They, didn't ha- they, they haven't had jobs ever. They're 22 years old, 24 years old. They've never had a job, and they're, and they're graduating college. They have massive debt. They can't pay off. They're Now they're trying to enter a labor market with no discernible skills other than a college degree. So they're getting entry-level trash positions where they, can, they struggle to pay off their college debt. And then they eventually say... Someone paid this for me. The government should pay it for me. It's not my fault. And where's the authority figure to tell me what to do? Because throughout the, the entire lives in the institutionalized learning facilities, there was always an authority telling them what to do. And now here they are once again saying, someone should be telling you what to do. I shouldn't have to deal with this or pay for it. Instead, I think people should get jobs You know, when they're younger, real ones. But a lot of these kids didn't do it. I can't tell you how many people I know leftist activists told me their life story was like, You know, I went to grade school, then high school, then college, and I graduated college, and here I am as an activist. I highly,
4: if you're a parent, I highly advise you to
3: get make your kid get a job when they're 12, Mm -hmm. just something local. Yeah. Lawn mowing. Well, paper for me, delivery, I waited to go to college. Shoveling. And I worked for like five years yeah. doing menial jobs and stuff that kind of sucked, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, it was tough. I was in southern Iowa. And I, I I, mean, basically, I went to college as a way not to go to work a sucky job because my grandpa was like, oh, well, you know, i work in office. You got to go to college or whatever. So and I got well, That's it. not true. Well, and well, I found that out because when I got right. my four year degree, I, I mean, I triple majored in, you know, poli sci Russian stuff uh you know i found that like i tried to get a job right after four year college and it was like almost impossible there was mm-hmm. a flood of four year graduates yeah. yep. and i was just like well i have to go to graduate school then to really show that i'm not a bser and that i know how how to do research and i know how, i know my stuff so i'm going to have to go to a two year you Is, know a graduate yeah, I, I, As I, a I, bser
4: the bachelor of science
3: yes yes <laughs> uh i
2: found that uh you know in the past 10 years my experience has been college degrees have been detrimental in the hiring process so one of the stories I've told is about my friend who um, was running a, a, a mid-level... It was it was a small business, but he did like medium-chain uh, businesses, restaurants for digital marketing. And he kept hiring college grads because he assumed the degree meant something. They couldn't do the work. They constantly called with problems and complaints like, hey, the, the the client did this. What do I do? And he's like, I hired you to do the job. Figure it out. I'm not here to do a job for you. And then eventually, he fires them. He hires more more people. They have the same problem. He fires them. Now he's running out of money, so he's like... He goes on Craigslist and he finds a couple of people who are like, I, want, I moved to LA to be actors. And he was like, I can only afford to pay you, you know, X per hour. And they were like, sounds good to us. So we got them for cheaper. Never called them with a problem. And so he, he told me the story where he's like, I went out, I was doing a meeting with new clients and then I don't get any, I don't hear anything from them. I'm, I'm kind of worried because I know there's always problems with clients. They're not calling me. I go back to the office. Anything happened today? Like not nah, all good boss. No problems with clients. Oh yeah. One of the clients posted something dumb, but we took care of it. And then he said he realized the kids who defied the establishment when they said, go to college and get a degree. When they said, I'll do whatever you say. These are the people who couldn't solve the problem on their own. But the kids who dropped out and said, I'm going to go on the, uh, I'm going to go find my own path were the people more likely to solve the problem on their own. I, so I, 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 this is a story that I've heard throughout my life and I'm fortunate enough to have the internet and to have friends and, and to really thought this through, to think this through. I remember reading about just doing the basic math you're 18 years old, you started a fast food restaurant, you work for four years. After four years, you're probably making a little bit more money. You've probably saved a little bit of money and you might even be an assistant manager. You spent four years in college. You're now negative 40 grand. You have no work experience and you're hoping that these businesses will hire you based on your degree, but you're probably going to get a grunt entry level position. Meanwhile, your buddy who's the same age as you is a manager making, you know, at the time, you know, 30 or 40,000 a year and you're making 10 bucks an hour. So I knew this one kid he told me that he went to a web dev firm because he was a web developer, self-taught. He was a he was a kid. And he was just learning to, uh, to uh, you know do web dev stuff. He, he got hired for I think I think they were paying him like twenty seven thousand a year. This was fifteen years ago, or whatever. And he said what they told him was everybody who came in with a degree had high salary salary expectations because they had to pay off their debt. And they said we don't have enough to pay you forty. Mm-hmm. And then so all of a sudden this kid comes along was eighteen and they're like do you have the skills to do all these different things? He's like, oh, yeah. And he shows him his portfolio. And they're like, perfect. How's 27? And he laughed. He's like, 27? Whoa, that's so much money. (laughs) And he said his boss told him straight up, we couldn't afford to hire at the expectation these college grads wanted. So we thought we weren't going to be able to hire anybody and grow the business. And then you came along. We were able to afford you because we didn't have that premium on, on college degrees. So I always tell people the most important thing right now, especially with the influence, the attention economy, social media influencers, you got to learn yourself to solve problems. I think college is quicksand. It is, it is, it is, they're they're throwing you off. Misery loves company. Hey, I went to college. You should go to college too. Now you're finding out that a lot of these, 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 these businesses say college degree or, you know, equivalent experience. If you got a portfolio and it's really, really good, they'll hire you. If you, if you show up and you're like, you know, I once interned at a company and I have a degree, they're going to be like, if you can't show me the work, I don't care.
4: Yeah. So don't waste your time. Even as an actor, well, I went to school for acting and in the modern economy, you're better off making a YouTube channel and getting 600,000 subscribers in the four years after high school than going to acting school if you want to become a famous actor after that. Cause they're going to hire you if you have a million followers. They, they're going to put you in a commercial. You're going to get, be making six figures per job. But if you go to college, then you get to be 15 years that you're like, Oh, I got to start a social media account when you're in your thirties and you're like, I've seen so many people. They're just now starting their like just now starting their social media presences. My f- friends with actors in, in L.A. it's just
3: sad. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, I started off went to art school for uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks. I don't know a month, and I dropped out. I was like, whoa, they want to charge me eighteen thousand. So some, I mean, if I'm Picasso, it's going to be obvious to people. I don't need to be do uh, still lifes, you know, to kind of build myself up. Either I have a passion for it and I can do it on my own, or I can't. Um yeah, that changed. Uh I mean I, I wound up going to a community college because it was much more cost effective, but then I found out I was good at academics, psychology, etc. And so I kept pushing and pushing, but it's kind of it's kind of a trap because you know, if you if you know, I I tried to go to college to sort of escape the the poverty and the kind of realities of work a day life and it was just such a contrast that I could go to school and you know, be be around you know, be around other young people and just ha- having fun and learning things, which I love to do. But I just kept on, k- kept on felting like I had to keep going to separate myself from others. Um, my first job was hired at a little liberal arts college in bar. There's a little, fun- there's a funny story about this. Um, very briefly, I was hired as an international program manager for about $37,000 in New York, which is not much for that state. Um, scrap, Scrap by for about did some interesting thing for about six months but then uh, i was sort of let go because she figured out i was not a raging leftist Mm. this was uh, a manager who was well connected with george soros and i was sort of the liaison between this uh the bard college uh and uh st petersburg in russia smolny institute or whatever and i would speak russian and so i was kind of the liaison here um it's funny that uh you know Putin sort of figured out that this small liberal arts college was Soros funded and Soros connected and uh, basically had cut off all ties to them. So right when I, when I, when they, when I left this job at Bard College years ago, I went to pursue my PhD at SUNY Albany, all of them Marxists, sated Maoists, Marxist Leninists, um, you know, a little bit of Fabian socialists thrown in, but not much. Um, and I studied Marxism, but, but really, the, the whole process for me is a little bit, the only value I got out of it was just realizing they're full of S. That was the only thing because I kept going because I'm like, God, surely these guys have 150, 160 IQs. They have, have some knowledge and wisdom to impart with me. No, that's not what they were doing. They were really just grooming people to be a part of a activist radical movement. They weren't really looking for truth. They were looking to change the world in their own image, in their own perception, and they wanted to recruit foot soldiers into it and kind of, you know, kind of progressing, you know, progressing through the ranks. Oh, you can make colonel. Oh, you can make general, you know, if you're a, a tenured doctor or whatever, in this sort of, you know, weps, weaponized college environment. So I when I left, I went to independent media, independent journal review, um, got in at the ground floor, one of the first few people hired, and it, it just took off. But the value I got out of it was just, I know their agenda on the inside. Like, I had to read stacks of social science gobbledygook that would just make you know a normal person you know mind melt because it's just like uh, it's really a brainwashing program and and so when i talk to a superintendent at you know a local school district or whatever who has a phd or whatever like you know at least i can kind of understand what's behind the superficial sort of crt program and like you know oh i mean it's kind of like you can't bs a BSer. like yeah. i already know where you're coming at with this i know what your objectives are it's to make kids um more woke just did you, <laughs> did you see language.
2: that rumble announced there they like basically signed a bunch of people to produce content
3: oh good i've been using rumble for a while since youtube youtube actually gave me a strike the only strike i had on my account was for showing donald trump at a public hmm. appearance I just posted the video of Donald Trump talking, no commentary, no nothing. Apparently, he must have uh, mentioned the verboten election word, <laughs> you know, and that was it. They gave me yeah. a strike for that. And then that was just like woke me up. So like, I can't even just objectively do any kind of journalism Wait. or anything. And they'll just, they'll pay uh, me if they don't like it.
2: What's fascinating is the criticism that establishment journalists are throwing at this eclectic group. I mean, you've got Siraj Hajmi. He's not a concern, like he's not a hardcore no, in, right winger by any he's means. Not uh you've got uh Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> yeah, I know you know uh, she's rather progressive actually uh-huh. uh and Glenn Greenwald, and yeah. it's funny when I see this criticism, boy, do they really hate they're so jealous they're working for skin suit companies, you know like the new york times it's 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 got funding because it's got name value, it's long standing, and people subscribe to it because it's just got that that position right. But uh, we here at TimCast.com, go to the website, sign up. We are not funded by any millionaires or billionaires. It is just the users, the members, and the, the, the eye revenue we get. There is no surreptitious or uh, funding or high-profile investors. This freaks them out. It's funny to me that they they have this attitude on, on Twitter where they try to say things. They, they insult me for being a high school dropout and stuff like that. And I'm like, yo, I'm proud of that. And then they go, huh, it shows. I'm like, it certainly does. Because you guys don't understand the difference between deontology and utilitarianism, and I'm just some dude who reads online, and you went to school for that stuff. Imagine having an economics degree and not knowing what capitalism Mm -hmm. is. Can we
4: call uh, you a a high school opt-out? Because you definitely didn't drop in any fashion. I mean, you you elevated when you left that organization. Yeah. It was dragging you down, and you you were able to elevate. You didn't drop out. you, You raised up out of it it's funny because
2: uh you know they like to take things out of context and then argue that i'm like dumb or whatever and i'm like that's fine by me i don't care what you call me i'm like we're running we're, we got here a growing company we've got a couple dozen employees at this point we're we're i think we'll probably be at like 50 within the next mm. year or so just getting bigger and bigger and bigger we're talking about how we got to figure out where we're going to put the new headquarters we've got to buy another building oh man i'm i'm so upset that these people don't think i'm smart when they're not able to find a job and they're struggling with their lives and advocating for insane policy that make no sense and we're over here having a very successful business. So I'm not saying that because I'm trying to drag them down or insult them, or I'm trying to justify you know my my, my ego to myself or anything. I'm trying to point out: don't let these people lead you astray with their bad advice. Mm-hmm. They, misery loves company. They want you sitting in the cesspool because crabs in a barrel, man. They will pull you back in. You don't. You you can find your own way. You can be successful if you build it yourself. I think that the path to success is perseverance. It doesn't matter if you go to school. It doesn't
3: matter what country you're from. If you keep working, you work hard enough, you can succeed. No, I'm on the same page. Obviously, I I uh, figured that out. I mean, I I was at Fox News for a while until the election. Uh it was a great experience in a lot of ways, insightful to be on the inside of a, you know, a big cable news show. Um but since I left and went on my own, you know, you can do it. You can start your own company. It is possible still. For now. I would knock on wood, but I'm not allowed to bang (laughs) on the wood. Uh, And so, like, I mean, I've had a great experience. I mean, I've syndicated with uh, Trending Politics, uh, which has been a good partner of mine. Um, And, you know, uh, my my works get read, and I am really grateful for that. But, I mean, obviously you know uh now is the time to push like there's a the twilight is shrinking uh so you know there may be a couple of years left but what you know i'm grateful to places like rumble um that are at least giving such a a more trustworthy outlet than youtube i'm not a fan of youtube and if i do my own podcasting thing it will be with rumble youtube is an afterthought for me and i'm glad i'm you know
4: Google Alphabet really I'm Alphabet. Gl- uh,
3: yeah yeah right right which I never understood why Google was able to buy YouTube but mm. you know that's, that's another conversation wasn't um, a billion yeah, one, it was the first one billion dollar acquisition yeah. it is yeah it's for me it's wild but
2: let's go to Super Chats yeah if you time. haven't already give us a like smash that like button do it for Ian
3: do it do it for you.
2: Hit it! And uh, right. uh, become a member at TimCast.com so you can check out the bonus segment, which will be coming up. We, we, we usually post them around 11 or so p.m. because we record them and then publish them. They are recorded live, but they aren't live themselves. And uh, share the show with your friends if you like it. Let's read some of these super chats. All right. Let's see. Doc Holliday says, The CCP, with, with all its authoritative power, couldn't prevent subsequent outbreaks. How much power are we prepared to give our government to stop a pandemic that couldn't be stopped by a totalitarian system?
5: That's a great question. Yeah, that's a
2: really good point, actually. I had a
4: friend that had cancer and she was taking medicine and pharmaceuticals. I was like, well, why don't you try diet? And she's like, no, the doctor just told me to take this, take this, but she was still feeling kind of ill. And I was like, are you, how long are you going to let them tell you what to do? How long are you just going to go along? Are you going to let them cut your arm off? And that like shocked her up and she went, no. And ever since she's had a way more clear head on her shoulders about I think people
2: need to realize that medical professionals are people, Mm -hmm. just like plumbers are people and carpenters are people. And there's such a thing as the bottom of the class, the
4: medical school. So make sure you get a good doctor, man. That's right. Because they'll they'll we we are the experiment. I mean, of the medical this they're the practicing. human race is the yeah. It's a giant ongoing experiment that we're all part of.
2: I I have I have had a lot of really great doctors in my life who have advocated for like good diet. I've had doctors tell me like cut the sugars out. Sugars are bad. Meanwhile, you get the food pyramid, which is garbage. I've had mm. I've had doctors that I feel like have been completely honest. So I, I don't know whatever you know. But yeah, I think the, the the point I want to make sure we hit on this one is China welded people's doors shut, mm. and they're still dealing with problems right now. They're locking down again. So it's just like.
4: Like, how far is too far? Decide that right now for yourself and remember that if it happens. Yeah.
3: Right.
2: All right. Harry Toe says Mayo is racist. End of story. <laughs> All right. All
5: right. If you say so.
2: Crayson says Ian, check out a YouTube channel called Voices of the Past. They read old journals and first hand accounts of historical events. For example, the Japanese perspective of the first Portuguese traders. Cool. Oh, wow, that's really interesting. Danimal Cracker says, AMC is still going to the moon. Tim, are you still a diamond-handed space ape? You guys should look into having Trey Collins on. He is the spiritual leader of the apes. I am still diamond-handed space ape. I have a bunch of AMC. I like AMC. I like movies. Uh, I don't... I've not been following the AMC stuff in the short. I'm not... You know, look, by all means, people, do your thing, whatever. My attitude is, we went and saw... What movie did we go see? Black Widow. I love going to the movies, man. Pretty sure we went to an AMC. So I like it. I, it, it's 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 one of the things that I'm really upset about when they locked everything down. I was like, I, I don't got to go to a restaurant. I can make food. I'm happy with that. But the movies are fun.
4: Did you guys ever have friends or, or work at a movie theater or have friends that did? That yeah. Would, like, let you upstairs? and. Yeah. <laughs> awesome.
3: Yes. Uh, well, my uh, my Russian teacher in high school, he had a movie theater and my buddy worked there and we went up there and really one of these small town movie theaters and ain't, ain't nothing like it, the feel of it and... The, sm- the musty smell of it. <laughs> <laughs> all, all right, yeah. uh,
2: Twimmy says personally not a fan of this new format. I've been a fan since the True Show Shimcast began. Oh. This new Tim guy is a far right anti <laughs> beanie grifter.
4: Bring back Shimcast. <laughs> Down with Timcast. Seamus is a, is really good at what he does.
2: He is. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're we're uh, it's tough to top him. We're launching a nonprofit. All right. Uh, Journalistic enterprise. It's going to be a fact checking uh, outlet. Great. The, the the way it'll work is – I've been talking about this for a while, but we're actually filing the paperwork now, and Seamus will be involved, too, so I'm really excited. Ooh. It is uh, – we're going to sample a 100 articles within, like, the past month from every news outlet, and then we're going to go through the articles based on the the standard journalistic ethics from, like, the SPJ or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then if there's any violation, we give the article an X, and then we load it up, and we say out of the 100 articles reviewed, 63 were rated as, mm-hmm. you know, ethical journalism – you know, 37 or whatever. One I love Outstanding. I'll, I'll be sure
3: to keep an eye on that. I
2: think you'll see, like, the Huffington Post get a zero. And <laughs> right. I'm not I'm, not, I'm not saying it to be mean. I'm saying it's because they're clearly an opinion website, but they don't label their articles as opinions. Well,
3: the write-up on that Mayo article, I mean, it was something like you would fail, if I was a professor at the community college, you would fail for just <laughs> right. <laughs> so <laughs> many reasons. So, uh, if they're asserting something to be news but it's
2: opinion, that's an ethical violation. So, I, th- I right. do think there's a lot of conservative commentary sites that would also get low scores for
3: that reason. You re- make sure to th- keep th- an eye on Reuters and AP because I feel like they've been uh, yeah, really, Reuters has they've been. really been hurting their credibility lately. And I used to respect them a lot, but I think the last few years Trump broke them. I think for Min- whatever reason,
2: minimizing harm is a journalistic ethic. So CNN, for instance, when they named the warehouse worker who posted the meme. That was a violation of journalistic ethics. You don't need to destroy the man's life to tell the story. So they maximized time in that regard. We'd give it an X. What we're going to do is we'll have a spreadsheet for each outlet. And we'll list all the articles. You'll see all the articles. You'll see circles and Xs, and then it'll explain why.
4: Is it possible to find how many violations per article? Like if one article has six violations yep. and then they cons- the consistently have six violations per article, that's like six times the violation. That's we're way we're, worse we're, than a company that does one we're, violation we're, per article. No, no, no. Mm-hmm.
2: It's, it's not about whether or not their articles are egregiously bad. It's about – do it, it, like it's a harder standard in, in this capacity. Like are
4: they correct? Is it perfect? It's they are or they're is it not?
2: Perfect yeah. or is it slightly off? Is mm-hmm. it slightly off. It's a fail, full X, right. full fail. And so a lot of these leftist publications that is purport to be news, and if they're rated by Newsguard as, as a new, as a certified truth, oh, we're we're going to come out and be like, well, we will use Newsguard and we will use Wikipedia specifically. If so, like the Huffington Post, for instance, is considered by Wikipedia to be a reliable news source. Whoa. Yes, and Newsguard considers them a reliable news source. For that reason, they will get zeros across the board because every article is an opinion piece. Absolutely, and they yes. don't put opinion on it, and so and, and we'll say that. So long as establishment institutions rate this source as reliable news, and the and the institution itself considers itself to be a news outlet, we will not give them a pass. As for the Daily Wire, they call themselves conservative commentary and conservatives in the news. In that case, we might just say this is an opinion website. We we don't rate ethics and opinion.
3: Every single one of my articles has opinion on it because I just feel like there are just so many assumptions. I'm, I'm, I'm arguing against, uh, most of the time I'm arguing with counterfactuals and providing data and evidence, but it's very much framed in the sense that what the mainstream media understanding of this subject is lacking, you know. If, so if, here's if, here's some more information about this narrative. When we
2: when there. we run this, if your website says this is a, a, an opinion analysis does, website, yeah. Then, yeah. It's, then it's then we just say this is an opinion analysis, analysis website. We don't we're, right. not, we're not here to rate the New York Times, for instance. When they publish news, are they putting in, are they injecting? So so, look. A lot of these act. A lot of these partisan sites will probably be fine because they just say they're, you know, leftist commentary or activist commentary or conservative commentary. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be like, guys, this website. They may. It. We'll, we'll probably check them on a factual basis, not an right. opinion basis. That's the right way to yeah. do it. Yeah. So, but you know, the Huffington Post will get will get a strike for an opinion piece because they don't label anything as opinion when they are. Mm-hmm. But if a, if a website says you know the leading conservative opinion. And they're publishing fake news will be like XXXXX, you know. Sure. We just won't hit them for opinion stuff. But that's important, too, because a lot of people think when they read, like, framing is big. Yeah, Framing, if, if it's something is falsely framed, that's opinion. Mm-hmm. So if it says, like, uh, if they include adjectives, like, Donald Trump disgustingly referred to as a person by this name, that's an opinion. Absolutely. That adjective, that framing device. If they say that, you know, Donald Trump took a dangerous move today to do X, that's an opinion. If it says, today Donald Trump did a backflip, that's a fact. Right. I mean, he didn't literally do a backflip, but if the story is just like, Donald of. Trump boarded, an Air, boarded Air Force One, he flew to this place where he met with this person to do this thing, we say, you're good. But if they say, Donald Trump made a disastrous attempt at meeting with a dictator, by, ah, that's opinion. Strike. Right. And I, I think people will be surprised how much is opinion.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I go to the New York Times all the time. I can't get through the lead paragraph without an opinion yep. like 80% of the time. And So the New York Times you might get a score of like 10 out of 100. They almost always interject some types of adjectival descriptions that are not factual or empirical. It's some sort of value judgment or moral, it's ethical be, it's, judgment. It's because it
2: doesn't sell not anymore. True. And that's why we yeah. want to do this nonprofit so that we can be like, here's our summary of the site. I'm, I'm I'm less concerned about funding. Like NewsGuard wants to know who's funding you. I'm less concerned. But let's read some more of these, <laughs> these super chats. All right, let's see. Benji Colmarez says, "Please watch the video. Creators shouldn't own their own creations." By Unique source. he makes an amazing case for ending IP and an alter- alternative to our current payment models. It'll blow your mind, Tim. Ian, you should, want, you, you should probably check that out. What's it called again? Creators shouldn't own their creations. Own their own creations. All right. Unspecial Noob says, I spent an hour last night trying to find Shimcast on Google to become a member and support the channel. I'm calling BS. It doesn't exist. It should be called Shamcast, not Shimcast. Sham? It should have nope. been called Shamcast. True. Boo. Apparently, Shamus, uh, Shamus said they call him Shim Sham Coglin. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can see it. All right. Mike Pierce says, Have you heard about or- uh, Oregon governor signing a bill to remove profici- 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 proficiency exams <laughs> of reading, writing, and math to graduate high school? also will you have robert barnes on the show he said he's willing to come on we absolutely will have robert barnes on the show we just have to book him and so we will we, we will get will that, sorted. that um and yes i heard about oregon that uh, uh it's not about meritocracy anymore it's about just put them on little box and ship them out
3: yeah um it's part of a patriarchal system i believe and it's uh uh Because of a white uh, system of oppression. So I guess, and if you live in another country and you have to take tests, um, there, we're somehow internationally imposing oppression abroad. So I think the Japanese students, they, they still have to do tests and, and Chinese students, they have to test tests. So I don't, yeah, I'm not quite, I'm not (laughs) quite following their argument.
2: (laughs) All right, let's read this one. Uh, FC3, uh, what does it say? FC3S says, Ian is right on IP. Why does a performer deserve more for their work than your average blue-collar worker? If I fix a car, I don't charge every driver for the work that I've done. You create one widget, you get paid for one widget. That's right. If I write one song, everybody who buys that song has to pay me $5 for it.
0: Mm.
4: But if you can make unlimited copies for free, then the supply increases, well, infinitely almost, exponentially at the very least. So then shouldn't the value, uh, the demand then decrease by that inverse? You know Why? it's just the nature of economics. No, that's you, for scarcity. Yeah, you you've eliminated scarcity from amount of, you know, because amount of songs you can copy. Yeah. You don't have to for, forge the CD and send it out anymore.
2: But you it's 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 your property regardless of whether or not you can make it easily. The it's law like, says so. I'm hey, just pointing out the, really the nature birdhouses are really easy to make. Could... Why don't we just make it so that you have to give them away if you have too many? Oh, what's that? A surplus of corn? Mm, you shouldn't be allowed to do what you want with your property. You should, be, well, you, should have to you, give it bird away. Birdhouses
4: and corn are, are like finite resources. I said we, when there's a surplus of corn. But that's still a finite resource. The digital copies can be done relatively infinitely. So I'm. I am don't point, think that, I don't think that out, changes. Well, it's changed the economy. That's what the whole argument is, is the piracy movement, whatever you want to call it. I think of it more as just a copy a copy fest. I, I think. I think the
2: we have this argument every so often where Ian thinks piracy is okay in terms of. I just
4: don't think it's. I don't think we should call it piracy. I've heard that. I don't know if it's true that the FBI is using calling it piracy and, and going after them with international piracy laws, and and like treating them like actual like people with weapons on boats that are. So that's like the law. Very of the seas sort of thing. So so, so
2: my, my my brother made an extremely viral video that probably has a collective multi billion views. Hmm. And his face isn't in it, nor is his name. And it's been ripped off, like, thousands of times probably... And that's what's wrong with this. Someone taking it and then rehosting it and making money off of someone yeah. else. Well, people work.
3: do do that with my content, so and I have to just approach them and say, "Hey, stop using my Yeah, J-P- but that's the same thing. JP
4: Sears some people stole his video, uploaded yeah. it to Facebook, and that's how he got famous, and then he became oh, really? super rich after that." Yeah. It's yeah. a
2: good thing his face is a name exactly. Found. See, but that's not most people. Most people aren't famous, right? and a lot of art doesn't include the the name of the individual, uh, so stealing their content and then repurposing it, we call it freebooting. And it's very it's it's extremely detrimental to people. I've
4: been trying to think of a technological solution where, like, mm-hmm. you could track where the original came from, and then with the c- payments of the cryptocurrency, you use smart contracts to automatically divide the payment to the original creator as well as any resellers. Mm-hmm. But I, th- as the way it looks, I just see the the inevitable economic restructure because of the increase in supply. Mm-hmm.
2: Padre Mortala says, "All right, man. What the hell do you want people to do? Leave cities? Not leave cities? Fight back? Not fight back? You really riled some feathers in the My Pillow <laughs> video. I, I'll still watch, but warily. Um, I've said it over and over again: Leave cities. When have I said don't leave the cities?" I said I respect the people who want to stay and fight back, but man, when you're 20% of the vote versus 80% of the people who are burning it down, why would you stay there? I've repeatedly said, if you're sitting in the living room while the garage is on fire and you're like, "I'm not going to leave," when the fire comes, don't expect me to come and shed a tear for you because you chose to stay in a burning building. So yeah, I think people should get out of cities. As for the the, the, the my pillow stuff, people should be riled up about all of the changes that they did in the voting in the voting laws like in Pennsylvania. Instead, they're they got the the you know the guy from my pillow is telling them all this grandiose stuff that he's never produced the smoking gun for just anomalies. I admit the anomalies give me pause. A lot of them, like the bellwether counties, I'm like, that's very strange. How does that happen? Mm, we should investigate and do audits, and I'm welcome for that. But outside of that, trying to draw definitive conclusion from anomalies is impossible. So people could be right now saying we we demand audits in these states. In the meantime, we're going to work with the Republicans on voter reform. Instead, they're at a symposium. And now the guy comes out, Mike Lindell's guy saying the data was not good and he can't prove it anyway. And I'm like, you see, you know, what's really been bothering me is for all I know, you know, look, there's some smoking guns somewhere, right? But ever since the election, I keep getting told next week on Monday, Trump is going to come out. And then nothing happens. I had a bunch of people saying, dude, March 5th, man, you're you're gonna you wait and see March fifth and I'm like uh-huh sure, nothing happens. Then they're like mm, oh you know uh, come July come August and I'm just like dude, I'm I, I it's fine. Do whatever you want to do. When there's a smoking gun, when there's hard evidence, whatever, do the audits, do all that stuff, whatever, build your confidence. But fighting back right now, I think you look at everything they did with changing the voter laws. And people are distracted, and they're not fighting back. Yeah,
3: they're and I think that's very concrete. It's it's very much black and white for me that they did not follow the constitutionally uh, adopted process for uh, changing the uh, voter laws in the in these states. The issue to try to talk. P- to people about what the remedy is and the solution is that they don't trust elections to remedy this. The Republican Party has failed them. They don't trust them at all. They, in fact, they hate Republicans because they don't stand up for them or they betrayed D- Donald Trump for that point of view. I mean, they loathe Mike Pence. A lot of these people or or um, Governor Kemp uh, in Georgia, it, those people are villains to them. They feel completely let down by them and and they feel like the system is irreparably irrepar- broken. Pardon me. Um, what I would point out in this situation, it was essentially a red wave election in these district, in house districts across the United States. The house is a very key institution to get in this, in this current situation that we're in. You have to try to go and get the house. You have to try to make tea party look like, uh, like a day at the picnic in 2010. You need, and, and the, the Democrats are going to be on the defense. I think they all know this, um, in, in the house races. You have to go out and try to make it happen and I think like there is really, literally, no way. Just prog- prognosticating into the future, I don't think that there's a way that the Democrats hold on to the House. It, it just in taking the temperature of the country and just all of the districts around the United States. It just just looking at a map of red and blue counties. Um, it's it's just not. It's just not going to. They're not going to hold on to the House it, a in a, a fair time? in a fair election. I don't think it will happen. Well, they're going to anger a lot of parents um, this fall. It's true, Um, but a a year is a long time. It is a long time. It's
2: that last week. It's that last month. You know what I mean?
3: I don't think this – I think this is going to be a pressure cooker election. I think the crock pot is on. The steam is building. I don't think it's – they're going to be looking for people to blame for their miserable – for people's miserable lives, which the Democrats are going to keep trying to make us miserable. Uh, You can bank on that. And uh, they're going to want to take it out to some on somebody in the in the polling booth. If they comes out and all these people turn out in mass and they vote and somehow the Democrats escape losing the House, uh, there's going to be a real problem. Um, I just I you know, we did not see mass rioting after uh, 2020. We saw the January 6th incident. Um, but we did not see it at January 20th. I mean, what did we see on January 20th when it was predicted that there was going to be a mass uprising? We saw a few sad old people with signs, mm. you know, at, at, you know, state capitol buildings. Um, but you did not see the SHTF yet. So, um, I think people are holding out hope that, that the midterms can give some course corrections. A lot of people. Um, but some people have just left the reservation. They are not coming back, and they are looking to be more and more angry. And anybody that offers them some chimeras to get angry about, they're all for it right now. They're going to sit. They're going to um, console themselves, and they're trying to go wallow and sort of um, self-pity to some point when they should be organizing and being active and looking for something substantive to accomplish before the elections, before it's too late. Because the state le- – ultimately, if you want to look at somebody to be mad about for the 2020 election, look at the state legislatures. Mm. These GOP-run state legislatures completely dropped the ball. They failed their constituents. They did not scream bloody murder when these um, absentee ballot uh, rules were changed without their authority. They did waited until it was way too late to say anything about it. They should have jumped on it from the very beginning. They did not. Now they want to do some kind of um, – You know, uh, you you know, some after the fact sort of, um, legislation that doesn't seem to go far enough, as you pointed out, Tim, in in some cases. And people aren't paying attention. Hold them to the fire. Hold, yeah, they're not paying attention because they're distracted by these other side things. And look, I get it. It's a very passionate subject. And I'm not, I'm, look, I, I understand a lot of people in my audience, they care about the subject. I'm, I'm not, trying to talk down to you or anything you're you're you have a right to be mad you have a right to feel left out let down by the system the election system is broken voter integrity is is in bad shape in this country we need to look ahead for the sake of our kids and our future not to fight the last war fight the war ahead of you keep your eye on the prize keep keep your eyes down down range and and focus on the concrete things we could do because you don't let your kids down do and something vote, substantive vote for the real
2: candidates not the not the establishment republican types and then when the new wave of populist right come in you can impeach joe biden mm. for right. for all the ukraine stuff and the china stuff Absolutely. and you can launch all the subpoenas and do all the investigations You stay focused man
3: yeah and 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 i you know i'm on, i'm on, totally on board with that i mean biden like we saw with the 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 rent uh, eviction moratorium. something That is oh, yeah. completely, he knows it's
2: unconstitutional. The Supreme Court said it was completely illegal and he said eh, I'll do it anyway
3: I guess. Broke his oath of office right there. If it was Donald Trump, they would be screaming bloody murder in the media. So don't, just have a long memory, file all these things aboard but in the meantime, make sure the next election has, has not as much of a, a, a shit show as, as yeah. the last one.
2: All right. The Science Change says, Excellent job on Mayo Gate. Seriously impressed with how how you're reporting. What can an average Joe do to help America get back on track? Hmm. Raise your kids. uh, Homeschool your kids. Stand up for what you believe in. Make hard choices and do hard things. Jordan Peterson says, Find the heaviest thing you can carry and carry it. I think that would mean that if you're living in a city where they're introducing things in policy-wise that you don't agree with and it's extremely difficult for you to move that must be the heaviest thing you can carry and you probably should carry it i think too many people just want comfort the path of least resistance man i love i love trudging through the storm and the mud i see that 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 easy path oh it's a real easy path for me i don't need to do this job i could stop right now and i can just skate all day and and do whatever i could shut this show down why should i deal with smears from the media man it's brutal out there huh constantly getting people sending me awful things and threats and insults. Man, who would want to trudge through something like that? That's the path of most resistance. Well, I like carrying heavy things. I like doing the hard work. I could just, I don't know, focus on the vlog. The vlog will make more than enough to just sustain me for the rest of my life. I don't got to worry about anything. Build up that and do a Minecraft channel. No, I like the challenge. And that's why I'm here. And that's why I'm grateful to everybody who's supporting that by being members. So I, I, I think, you know, at the very least, sharing content, whether it be me or Crowder or Sticks or anybody Six XM or anybody you, you really like, or checking out you know Kyle's website Becker News and sharing the things that you think are important, that's really that's an important thing you do. And I know most of you do it all the time. Uh, so do what you can when you can, I suppose. But I think maybe people need to realize that you have to you have to carry something heavier than you may be carrying.
4: Yeah, speak your mind on the internet, make videos because it's humiliating. Let people see who you are for real. Let them know your fears and what you've do- let go of your secrets. And they'll trust you. And then when you, when you tell them these things, they'll believe you.
5: It's more w-
0: powerful than voting for people.
5: Agreed. I would say on a more practical level to frequent small businesses and go to family-run operations like that restaurant we talked about earlier.
2: Ben Stark says, have you heard about Tim Dillon and Democrat media calling Yanmi Park a fraud? Thoughts? I think they're all liars. I don't know about Tim yeah. Dillon. I don't watch his show. But uh, when, I, when I show you that the Democrat media are lying to protect Biden because his failed policies. Why would I believe them on Yanmi Park? I I saw one of the stories. People were like, you got to see this, Tim. She's a fraud. And then I saw her comment on it and it was like a fairly reasonable assessment. You know what? You know what the funny thing is, man? People want to come out and insult her and and say all these things about her. And I read some of the criticisms of her. I'm like, I think they're just out of context, smearing, falsely framing. Because I'll tell you this, anybody who watches this show who then goes and reads one of the hit pieces on me is gonna laugh at how insane they sound. They're like, I can listen to this guy talk for four hours a day, and that does not represent what that show is. Mm-hmm. They're so desperate. So
4: the mail gate you know, thing. They they it's five point six percent of inflation across the board. Five point so four. The, five point four. So they assumed that the mail went up by five point yep, right. four percent. The this mail the oh, Mayo yeah. went up by a hundred percent. Not five point four percent. But the, these idiots, these, these fools, the arrogant? these lazy... So it's false uh, inductive. It's, it's
3: reasoning. Yeah. right. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
2: And then because they're all a bunch of hooting midwits, that they're all... Like someone says it and they'll go, yeah, and they'll start high-fiving each other and chest bumping. And it's like, guys, you're so dumb. Did <laughs> you even
4: call the like, restaurant? I don't like screaming idiot. Like what? No, no, no. They don't have to balance. They are supposed is, to it's call greedy.
2: the restaurant. You call the restaurant. That's true. When I Crazy. saw the story, I went. I Googled the website. I Googled the restaurant. I put the phone, called it. Within a minute, a guy says hello, and I'm like, hi, my name is Tim Poole. I'm a journalist. i trying to get a comment on this story about mayonnaise. And he laughed. And he's like, oh, yeah, Uh, what do you need? <laughs> I just see that it says here you pay $200 more per week in mayonnaise. And I was wondering if you could uh, elaborate on, on how that is. Oh, yeah, so we, we do about 10 buckets per week. It's five gallons each. They used to cost about 18 bucks. Now they're about 36. So, you know, do the math. It's mm-hmm. about 10 more buckets. So it's about 200 bucks. And I went, sounds about right to me. What's your what's your restaurant capacity? 250. And he says, and we and we use the mayonnaise for our dressings and stuff in the sauce. That uh, we and I'm 100% like, 100
4: percent increase in that. Yes. cost. Makes sense to me,
2: dude.
5: Yeah,
4: complete. We, we know complete that we know. miss. We, I mean, that is not even like you barely almost idiocy. hit it. You completely missed it. And they double
2: down. They completely. And three you different didn't. writers, and now they're driving a harassment campaign at a small business who said nothing political.
4: These, this is—it's not journalism. That's the problem. It's I not. went to school for journalism for mm-hmm. a period, for like a, a year. It, You learn about citing sources, about seeking multiple sources, fact-checking, looking, getting an editor to go through your stuff afterwards. Did you see? And then putting your face behind it. That's a big part of it. You see what the
2: Daily Beast wrote where they were like six months on. Donald Trump, uh, his uh, uh, staffers are urging him to promote the vaccine, but he says no. And it's like it says nope, and it's got a big Trump mouth. And I'm just like, yo, I get so many emails from Trump where he's like, the vaccine is mine. It's the greatest vaccine. Everyone (laughs) should get it. It's safe. That's right. He's like – there's one email. I went through my email of all the emails from Trump, and it's like Trump's not getting credit for the vaccine. And he's like, they're trying to claim credit for the work I did. It's safe. Everyone should get it. I'm like – how did they write an article claiming Trump won't promote the vaccine when he won't shut up about it?
3: I know. <laughs> he talks about Operation Warp, Warp Speed as the greatest is gr- thing since, this you know, the, you know, the, uh, the attack on Okinawa in World War II. You know, I mean, they like. They won't give him credit they, for it. And he, yeah, he wants the credit. Give me the credit. That's I know. That's Donald Trump's personality. I mean, come on. Alright,
2: let's right. see what we got here. Ramsey Stripling says some woman tried to come in the restaurant I work at with a regular non-service dog, didn't allow her in, and she got all of her friends to write reviews calling us racist and discriminatory. Brought overall review down 4.823.
4: Can we, like, okay, Yelp, you companies, Google, that do these at restaurant reviews, can you make it so that they have to have a geolocator go off when they're in the restaurant (laughs) or something where they got to log in? Like the restaurant has something with your website where they got to log it doesn't, in. It doesn't work. To, you know to verify that they're eating there. It, I mean, what, this is ridiculous I knew, that I knew, someone across I, down I knew, the road can vote. I, I knew a restaurant.
2: It was a burger joint. And they got a call from Yelp. And they were like, hey, you know, we see you on the site and we want to uh, reach out to you, see if you want to do any advertising with us. And he was like, I'm not interested. And they're like, okay. All of a sudden, a bunch of bad reviews started coming in. And he, you know, there, there are some people who allege there's a conspiracy or whatever. But what's happening was bad reviews would come in. And the good reviews weren't coming in. And it was because they said, well, the people who uh, are in the restaurant having a bad experience pick it up and go. And the people who have a good experience don't say anything. And then later on, they might be like, oh, yeah, you know, I went to that restaurant. That was cool. And then they're like, well, this one is real time. This one's not. The point is, it's it's not so easy just to just to geofence. But isn't the problem here that people across the
4: country are downvoting a restaurant? That makes no sense.
2: How do you prove that you've been
4: there and you don't? Put, put like a, a barcode on the receipt that you gotta uh, scan or yeah. something before you yeah, leave yep the rest of the with that.
2: Idea. How yeah. about you can only review it if you have a current, uh, receipt? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. I like that. Easy. Yeah. All right. Kamikaze A says Australia is tracking population via QR codes. We are required to enter our details and phone number to get a verification code to be able to enter any business. Anyone looking to adopt a few Aussies?
5: Wow. Come on over. It's, uh, yeah. it's,
2: it's, 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 man. What do you call it when all of these countries are moving in the exact same direction? You can't travel between them and, uh, I don't know, global authoritarianism? Yeah. Wow. International fascism?
5: New world
3: order? I don't know.
5: <laughs> You're
2: all right. <laughs> New <sad>. world order.
3: <laughs> Smiley face fascism.
2: Richard Cranium says, Tim, I work in long-term care. Bet you can't guess the party that comes in to do absentee voting. I'll give you a hint. <laughs> the Dems. Yep. Yep. Napalm Bonerfart says hot take, parents should send their kids to the military. Best thing to happen to me. I turned left to right but mostly learned responsibility. Good. I don't think I, I I don't think you can do that. Like your kid turns eighteen, they leave. I do think there's like military academies and stuff and, and schools you can go to. And uh I'm I am um Um service guarantee citizenship is the easiest way to say it. I don't, I don't know if a military academy or, or the military is, is
3: the way to do
4: it. No, it's not. But the Romans no, tried that.
3: No, I mean, if you have a wayward kid, they're not gonna find themselves in the military. They need to want to do it, and if they don't want to do it, it's not yeah. gonna work out so well for them, probably. You
5: are correct. My brother really wanted to join the military, and my parents didn't want him to. But he did, and yeah. it was great for him. Yeah. Whereas with my other brother, he didn't really like it. He got out as soon as he could. It's like 50-50. It's good. Co- it's whatever you make of it. Yeah, do don't to go want to want the military
3: to as a way of avoiding work or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, work for a while and really think about it. And then if you feel like you need to get our orders barked to you and you need to go serve, you, you know, just be ready for it and go get it, you know? yeah. The One-Eyed King says Tim should Rittenhouse trust
2: truth as an affirmative defense like you said Lindell should with the Dominion suit. The Dominion suit is a civil lawsuit where they're alleging he said things that were not the truth and that have caused them financial damages for which they are trying to recover financial damages. In the instance of a defamation suit, there's something called an affirmative defense, meaning I told the truth, case dismissed. And all he need do is go to the judge and say, here you are, your honor. There's the evidence. And that judge will say, case dismissed. That's it. With Kyle written it's a criminal trial, and you're going to have an adversarial court where the state tries to prove their case and the defense tries to prove their case. But still, I would say, yes, Kyle Rittenhouse should rely on the truth to win. Granted, you'll need really good lawyers because they're going to use manipulative tactics, but the truth shall set you free. My bigger, bigger issue, I suppose, is that politics will play a role and it doesn't matter whether or not he's, uh, he's, he's right or wrong. In the instance of Dominion and and, uh, Lindell, it's entirely possible the judge would not rule in favor of Lindell no matter what. But if that's the case, then what are you trying to prove? If, if no matter what you do, no one will ever accept it because they're scared socially, you've got a culture problem and all you're doing is preaching to the choir.
3: Well, maybe that's what he's trying to do with the cyber symposium, just to play devil's advocate here. Um, he's trying to persuade people and, and, you know, use the media to spread his message and, um, you know, maybe he feels like the courts aren't a fair venue for him. You know, maybe he personally feels that. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't represent his legal team, and I don't know all of the thinking and strategy behind it, but that's
4: definitely historically functional. Getting the crowd behind you is a powerful way to bypass the courts, mm-hmm. and the courts will vote for you. Yep. Yeah. Beaumarchais did it in France, got out of a civil lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Happy says, Do you think there
2: is a place for libertarian-leaning people who are socially liberal in the classical sense? For the most part, I'm pretty socially liberal, however I don't like big government, yeah, I agree that's like the, the usual left libertarian position, but uh I don't know what to tell you, man, our institutions are all completely corporatist. what do you do
3: well look at look at Blackrock's infiltration of of the Biden government the economic advisors like you know Mike Pyle with Kamala Harris, who was also put in neoliberal policies under Obama um you know, you, you look at West exec, I, I was shocked, actually, that one of these think tanks that was that um, was formed uh, that basically sells itself as this sort of White House uh, PR crisis management team. There's like 23 from this one think tank sort of organization in the Biden White House. And then you have a very weak president in this mix who doesn't seem to be running the show. <laughs> it strikes me as very corporatist and very oh, yeah. seedy yeah.
2: ladies and gentlemen smash that like button if you have not already and go to timcast.com become a member so you can check out the members podcast which should be up around 11 or so p.m. you can follow the show at timcast IRL you can follow me personally at timcast is there anything you wanted to shout out Kyle
3: no just uh, follow me on Twitter um, you know I, I will likely be doing a podcast in the future if you, you know want to keep an eye out for that that would be great um, but uh just uh really enjoyed being here with tim i mean uh it was, it was a pleasure it was great to see his studio <laughs> and everything he's got going on wow, here man. seems to be going in a great direction so it's what, been a what's your twitter handle kyle nate becker and a becker yeah thanks for coming man that was great yeah. that was fun actually that was thanks really a lot fun. again yeah, um, that was fun.
4: you guys can follow me also at iancrossland.net uh, or at iancrossland on social media and, and uh, you rock
5: you guys can follow me on twitter at sour patch lids as i continue my adventure trying to get more followers than sour patch kids
2: We will see all of you over at TimCast.com for the member segment. Thanks for hanging out. Bye,
0: guys.